The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Recapping Week 12, I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's a Super Friends show as we do every Sunday night for you Monday morning. Excited to talk about a bunch of great football that happened. Even I think it was great football. I don't know. I, I, I My picks were on fire, so it felt like great football, even though the games were not necessarily all awesome. We did get some good primetime matchups. We did get some wild endings in the 1 o'clock games. Um, and then some pretty dicey stuff happening in the 4 p.m. games as well. Joining me to break it all down, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner McGuff, and the heavily coated John Breach. What's up with that? Well, you know what, Brinson? It is almost winter, and the sun hasn't been out in Nashville for a, at least four days. I'm not even sure that the sun exists anymore. It has been raining nonstop. I think I saw a few snowflakes. My office is in my basement. It is like 12 degrees down here, so I have to wear three coats to work. So that is a fun fact for anybody that ever sees me do a video. I probably have three coats underneath my collared shirt. Uh, but bonus fun fact, John doesn't wear a, an actual shirt underneath <laughs> his coats, which is a little weird. Um, we'll get to the, we'll get to Nashville in a second. We'll also get to the, uh, I was going to make a joke about like, are you wearing a coat or is, are you dressed for the Bengals funeral or something like that? But we'll get to the Bengals in a minute. First, let's get to a team that flexed its muscles on Sunday night football. The San Francisco 49ers whipped, whipped Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers 37 to eight. Jimmy Garoppolo, your top fantasy performer with 22 points. The 49ers obviously cover the under rather annoyingly hits to ruin a, what would have been a monster day for yours. Truly, Jimmy G, 14 to 20, 253 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, George Kittle, six catches on six targets, 129 yards, including a 61-yard play action. Bomb for a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers, Sean, man, 20 of 33 for 104 yards and one touchdown. Again, I'm going to repeat that. 20 of 33 for 104 yards and one touchdown. That means, for you math majors at home, Aaron Rodgers, the would-be, 
MVP candidate. Some people listed. Some people thought he was still an MVP candidate. Average 3.2 yards per attempt in a head-to-head matchup against a team that was the number one seed in the NFC while the Packers are going on the road in a primetime game. The team that refused to, that didn't draft him. The team that he's held a chip on his shoulder against his entire career. Average 300 passing yards and two passing touchdowns per game. He curled up into a little fetal ball and fell all over himself against the 49ers. Did it make you happy as a Bears fan? You you hate to see it. You honestly, you <laughs> really do hate to see it. Uh, I mean, this game fell over and like it certainly bared out in the way it was played, but it really fell over after the first possession, which is Aaron Rodgers fumbles and the 49ers get the ball at the two yard line and they punch it in. And you can't I mean, for me, this game is more about the Packers and the 49ers. Cause I think the 49ers have done everything possible to legitimize themselves as a legit Super Bowl contender. And this was to me about, I think there's a little bit of a gap between the Packers and the 49ers and the top tier teams. The game really did feel over the second they went down seven nothing. You can't spot this 49ers defense, uh, seven points. And it feels like the only kind of quarterbacks that can actually have a little bit of success against the 49ers are guys with really good mobility who can use their athleticism. Kyler Murray has had two really good games against the 49ers, albeit two Cardinals losses. And Russell Wilson, I mean, he didn't play nearly as well as his standards, uh, but he still was able to put up yards and put up points. And the most telling stat of this game is that the Packers went 1-15 of on third down. Their only conversion on third down came when Tim Boyle was in the game um, in garbage time because the Packers pulled Aaron Rodgers about halfway through the fourth quarter. They're, they were inept. They couldn't do a single thing. And it wasn't really about even throughout the entire game turnovers. I mean, that fumble was the only turnover the 49ers had. It was just about their complete inability to move the ball and sustain drives. Um, and the closest they got was a fourth down conversion in the first half when they were down 10 nothing or 7 nothing at that point. And they tried to run up the middle right at the teeth of the 49ers defensive line. They stuffed them. And from that point on, they were just never able to get going. And I don't want to call the 49ers backers a bad team because they're 8-3. and three. Um, But I really do think there's a gap between these top teams and the Packers. Um, worth filing away while I'm thinking about it. So we've now seen... Uh, Aaron Rodgers struggled really badly twice in two games, in two trips to California. And that's the common theme maybe there. But there's another underlying theme that we haven't really talked about. And this is warrants mentioning if and when the playoffs, uh, in the, if and when this matchup happens in the playoffs. Both the losses in California for the Packers were two teams uh, that employ former Seattle defensive coordinators. Gus Bradley in Los Angeles against the Chargers and then Robert Sala um, in, uh, in San Francisco, or at least he was, a, he was on that staff and he's born out of the Pete Carroll system. And you wonder, like, is it possible that it's that sort of scheme that really bothers this Packers offense? So just worth keeping, keeping a note on, should the Packers and the Seahawks meet again in the playoffs? That Chargers loss feels like a dream. Like, there's no way that happens after what we've seen Philip Rivers do the last few weeks. How do you go there? We know they were having a good time, allegedly. Um, before they got to the soccer stadium and got absolutely blown out. Uh, yeah, Sean's right. This game was over after the first series. That fumble that um, Aaron Rodgers had at the two-yard line, they scored on the very next play. The 49ers did, and, and that was, for all intents and purposes, a wrap. Um, the defense is awesome. We know that. Five sacks. They they hit Rodgers ten times. I can't remember the last time he was beat up that badly. Luckily for him, by the time Tim Boyle came in, he seemed to be fine on the sidelines, you know, yucking it up as much as you can after that sort of ass-whipping. Um Tim Boyle, first time he's ever thrown an NFL pass, so that was something. <laughs> that, that was actually sort of the highlight for the uh, for the, the Packers. 
I also learned, I didn't know this, that um, John Breach's brother is the quarterback's coach for the 49ers. That was cool. <laughs> Met before the game, had, had, had hugged it out. Robert Sala and um, John Breach were in each other's weddings. That was also something that we learned, or at how, least I didn't know about. How, how about a, it was peak Al Michaels, and they're like showing, they're like, He's like, yeah, Robert Sala and uh, Matt LaFleur and uh, worked in Central Michigan together. He's like, it's called it the best time of their lives. And uh, they were bachelors. Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> it's like, all right. So has Robert Sala always been bald? Uh, it, I assume he, he decided at some point in his life. You just shave your head. You know, your freshman year in college, all of a sudden, either it doesn't grow back or you like the look and you just roll with it. That's That's pretty common, right? Hey, speaking of things that feel like dreams many, many years ago, Breach, do you remember when in week two when the Bengals were a one point favorite over the 49ers? <laughs> they actually played that game pretty closely, didn't they? No, they got blown out 41 no. to 17. But that tells you a lot about how teams change throughout the season, how our perception. I mean, that's not me. That's Las Vegas odds makers making the Bengals a one point favorite, which seems completely absurd right now. Uh, the one thing I will say about this game, and Sean keeps talking about the tiers in the NFC, but I don't know I necessarily agree that the 49ers are – they're not the same as the Packers. I'm going to say real quick, this this game, I predicted the 49ers would win by double digits. I, I didn't think it would be a close game, uh, and the reason I thought that is because I feel like the Packers are a horrible matchup. The 49ers just were going to roll. The Packers have – if they if these two teams played 100 times, the 49ers would win all 100 times. That's how much better they are than this team. But I don't think the 49ers would beat the Saints 100 times. I don't think the 49ers would beat the Vikings 100 times. I don't think the 49ers would beat the Seahawks 100 times. I think those three teams are more evenly matched. But obviously the Packers have already beaten the Vikings. We know they can play at the Seahawks, the Cowboys – so I just think this was a mismatch for the Packers. So if I'm Green Bay, I am literally just crossing my fingers and praying to whatever I believe in that I do not have to play the 49ers in the playoffs because the route for the Packers of the Super Bowl is going to be avoiding San Francisco at all costs because there's no way they're ever going to beat this 49ers team this season. They just don't have the tools to, but they do have the tools. They, they seem to match up with better with other teams, just not the 49ers. I mean, it was just utter dominance tonight. Uh, let's a let's clip and save that for the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> uh, and B, I think for me, the big takeaway out of the loss in terms of the global playoff picture here is that the Packers now have to worry a lot more about winning the division than they do about having to chase the 49ers for the first seed. I mean, they're, they're two games back of the 49ers and they have the head to head tiebreaker loss to San Francisco. So while it's not impossible that they could catch them, I mean, like they could. San Francisco has a tough route, right? They have Baltimore at Baltimore at New Orleans before they close Atlanta, LA and at Seattle. Um, Green Bay at New York, Washington at home, Chicago. They they better go three and zero in those games, um, and then they then they're at Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings, who uh, were on bye, are at Seattle, Detroit, uh, at the Chargers, and then get Green Bay. So it, it's very possible that that Green Bay Minnesota game in Week 16 will decide the division. I think that's what you have to worry about if you're Green Bay. You're going to be chasing the Saints to try and get back that number two seed and get that bye. You're pretty unlikely, I think, to to, to walk down the 49ers. It's more likely that they go from the, what, fourth, third seed to the sixth seed exactly. and end up playing the 49ers. 
than it is for them well, walking down the 49ers. But the flip side of that is that it's because the the way the NFC East is playing out, it's looking like the NFC North winner will get the three seed. Uh, I mean, that feels like how it's going to shake yeah. out. And then the second place team in the NFC North is going to get the sixth seed, which means they're going to be playing each other because uh, the NFC West second team would presumably get the five seed based on how everything looks right now. So that means the the Packers will be playing the Vikings in the wild card round. It would just depend on where it is based on who wins that Week 17 game. So uh, it's interesting. If the, Vi- if the Packers are the sixth seed and they win that game, they, they could be the San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll lose by 30. Yeah, yeah, and then or they'll win by 30, and we'll play John Breach. We'll play Breach's little clip there over and over and over again. Uh, which either way, win-win. By the way, Aaron Rodgers, next-gen stats, says he did not complete a pass over 10-plus air, 10 air yards, 0 for 8 against the 49ers for the first time in a game he finished in the next-gen stats era since 2016. And the 49ers have only allowed four deep completions, 20-plus air yards or more all season long, fewest in the NFL. One uh, of those, Mason Rudolph to Juju Smith-Schuster. That's right. Learn it. Know it. Love it. Also worth mentioning, Brian Belaga got hurt, left the game. Yeah, that's changed. I don't know how I – mean, I think it did change. Like the the Packers' offense, wheels were completely off at that point. I mean, they, they, they had one wheel before he got hurt. They had zero right. wheels since he left. The thing that – about this Packers team that is kind of frustrating – well, I mean, not to me, but, you know, if you don't hate the Packers like me, um, it feels like they don't get the most out of the defensive talent. Like it feels like they have so much more individual talent and collectively – for whatever reason, it's not coming together. Because, I mean, Zadarius Smith now is, what, nine and a half sacks? Uh, and if you look at their defensive metrics, I mean, they entered the game 18th in DVOA. They gave up five yards per carry, 5.1 yards per carry on the ground. Garoppolo averaged almost 13 yards per attempt. It really feels like we thought, and especially the way they opened the season, that this would be a top 10 defense or top five defense even. They're not even close to that. And they have a lot of good players. So I don't, I don't really know what the answer is, but... It feels like they're underperforming than they a lot more than they should be. They uh, they're a little bit like the Panthers in the sense that like they're great at getting pressure, but you can absolutely gash them in the run game. Um, so thirty eight seven. Yes. Throw two more things and Brinson, your theory on Seahawks former defensive coordinators doing well. Dan Quinn, the Falcons coach, is three and one against Aaron Rodgers as coach of the Falcons. So that adds to your theory. And also, this was the most points the Packers gave up in a loss. Uh, since the NFC playoffs in 2016, that was against the Falcons. And you know who the Falcons offense coordinator was? Kyle. Kyle. Yes. So he has put up the most points on the Packers of anyone in the last three years, twice. Uh, by the way, the, the Packers in this game, seven drives of 10 yards or less. That's not great. Let's move on to the Patriots-Cowboys game. Oh, yeah. If the, if, the, if the Packers hadn't gotten smacked around, this would have been the lead story. Jerry Jones is fired up. I mean, he guys, he is not happy about this situation because, you know, the Cowboys went on the road and lost in a game where Jason Garrett, as he tends to do, curled up like a coward, kicked a field goal, and uh, the Cowboys look underprepared. Here's what Jones told Ryan Wilson. This is I'm about to play something that Jerry Jones told reporters after this game. When you're on a sloppy day, special teams can rule the day. And they've got a coach that knows how to play this game and did a good job of that. My hat's off to him. I don't think there's a game that a coaching staff uh, has areas that it wouldn't, uh, couldn't do better in. And um, I, I just uh, I don't like it that we've got so many as I'm standing here tonight. Translation. I'm pretty pissed off because Jason Garrett should have won that game because we got talent. 
like my buddy Jerry Dubin says, we should be nine and two. We got two and nine coaching staff. It's driving me up the wall. I mean, hell, I don't want to invite Jimmy Johnson back here, but God dang, can't Jason Gary can't win nothing. I don't know if that was Jerry Jones, but that was sort of my translation. What's funny before we actually get to the game is Jerry Jones obviously referenced Belichick and how they have a coach who knows how to coach the game. And leading up to this week, Jerry Jones was actually telling a story about how in the 90s when Belichick got fired by the Browns, he ran – Jerry Jones and, and Belichick ran into each other at a ski resort of all places, and Belichick didn't have a job at the time. And he told Jerry Jones, remember me, keep me in mind if you have an opening, like I can still coach. And Jerry Jones admitted he still thinks about that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you were – I mean, like if you were, uh, like if you'd gone on like a trip in, uh, like in your freshman year of college and Kate, and like Kate Upton was like trying to hit on you and you're like, eh, like whatever. And she's like, well, give me a call like sometime, you know, and then you like didn't call her. I mean, yeah, you'd still think about it. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I'm sure you know, Sean or a lesser man like Breach might. Right. And real quick, that meeting I think took place in 1996. So Barry Switzer was a coach at the time. They weren't going to get rid of him, but. He was gone after the 97 season. Belichick did not have a head coaching job at that point. Uh, and you know who Jerry Jones hired? He hired Chan Gailey. Yeah. Love old Chan. <laughs> Hate to see anyway, it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught this. Um, and again, we'll get to the game in a second. 13 to 9. Um, Patriots win in an ugly, ugly game. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught this during the game or during the halftime of the game. Did you, did you hear Gronk's performance during the Fox halftime? Cause, uh, it was pretty amazing. If you, if you saw, if you haven't seen Gronk, go find him. Cause he's, he's dressed up in this like blazer and this black, uh, turtleneck. But he, uh, he had a thought on why the, uh, on why the Patriots were dominating the Cowboys so thoroughly. If there's a little rain in, in Dallas, a little snow in Dallas, Jerry Jones comes down and say, Oh, do you guys want to practice in the bubble today? <laughs> well, that's why it's advantage Patriots and that's why they're kicking butt today versus Dallas <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> He says that Jerry Jones coddles his players and doesn't prepare him to practice in the rain and the wind. Uh, did you feel like, Ryan, that the Cowboys were properly prepared for this game? No, they were not. My biggest question is not that um, Jason Garrett kicked a field goal on fourth and two when they were down a touchdown to make it still a one-score game that needed a touchdown to win it. That was the least surprising thing ever. I was sort of surprised that Troy, that Troy Aikman was surprised that Jason Garrett did it. <laughs> but I'm surprised – the most surprising thing is that Jerry Jones picked today to be the day to be angry at Jason Garrett for being a horrible coach. What Did he just wake up from a coma? What happened for this realization to wash over him that Jason Garrett has been horrible for a long, long time? And you talked about this on the uh, the YouTube Spectacular. Why is it that Jason Garrett finds his gonads when his backup is, is against the wall and he might be in danger uh, of getting yelled at by the boss man or potentially even getting fired? Why not just do that all the time? Why are you always kicking on fourth and short? Why are you punting from midfield on fourth and two every single week? You're wasting talent. It, it makes no sense to me. But again, I don't know why Jerry picked today to be the one, the, the day to be angry. Uh, maybe Robert Kraft was making fun of him in the booth or something. I don't know. Well, it felt like it's because he went to New England and his team was sloppy and unprepared and they didn't know how to. Is this the first time we've seen that from a Jason Garrett team? No, look, J- J- Jerry Jones desperately wants. To win a Super Bowl with Jason Garrett because he believes it'll Why? because it'll, it'll he can then say I told you it wasn't Jimmy Johnson it was me all along I'm the brains behind this operation well right now I'm as angry as a box of frogs and Jason Garrett's driving me up the wall <laughs> <laughs> that box of frogs that's pretty good um, 
look, I didn't think the Patriots were particularly dominant or anything in this game. I mean, in fact, frankly, who played worse, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I, in fact, I would think about it. <laughs> the Cowboys were two of 13 on third down, which was not great. Um, they had, uh, seven penalties for 50 yards. It felt like they were coming at very inopportune times, but they basically matched the, 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 they had 321 yards to the Patriots, 282. Um, they ran the ball for 4.2 yards per carry. You know, this is a team. I, I, I thought that like at halftime, you could make the case that the Cowboys who were down 10 to six had been the better team. And they'd just been a little bit more aggressive. They missed a field goal early on. It's like you can't settle for these field. Like you just can't settle for these. You can't settle for a twenty-seven yard field goal. Yeah, but, apparently you can. By the way, that was like they were seven, so I get it, I guess. But they were arguably the best team up until the very end there, when that phantom kick was called uh, tripping on Travis Frederick. Yeah, yeah, they got look. They got a raw deal from the from the refs, but they 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 could have been winning that game. If they, if they, if they'd been more prepared and had played better. Like Dak, why, why did Dak, Dak put a glove on in the second or third quarter? Like where was that glove in the first quarter? Ball's flying out of his hands every which way. Like maybe use, like maybe test out the glove before the, the, the game. Like that's what, that's what effing practice is for, bro. You have to test stuff out. See if your hands going to be slipping. What's going on here? We also had Troy Aikman literally like shaking his head. You could feel his discontent. The whole fourth quarter, there was a spot where the Patriots were kicking off, and who's the Cowboys' returner? Is it Pollard? Whoever, uh, yeah, whoever the Pollard. Cowboys' kick returner was. So before the kick even happens, Troy Aikman's like, he's kicking into a 30-mile-an-hour wind. Why is Pollard in the end zone? There's no chance this ball will make it to the end zone. And then all of a sudden, Folk kicks it, or Bailey, whoever kicked it, and it literally stops at like the 20-yard line because it died in the air. Pollard's running up to catch it. The Cowboys' up man is also trying to catch it. They miscommunicate. The ball hits the ground, which is now a live ball. It's the same as a fumble. The Cowboys are scrambling to recover it. They get it back at the 10-yard line. That's stuff that Belichick, and this is what Jerry Jones was talking about as far as, far as special teams. Like, Belichick, every player on the Patriots knows what to do in that situation. The Cowboys had no idea what was going Wait, on. What, hey, about the, what about the punt they blew up yes. early in the game? Well, and that's where I was going next, is that you also had the punt, and Brinson said he's pointing out the yardage totals and how the Patriots weren't dominant, and, and they really weren't. So the Cowboys that drive we're talking about where they kicked the field goal on fourth and two in the fourth quarter, that was a 78-yard drive. Do you guys know how many total yards the Patriots had on their three scoring drives combined? Um, I, I would do, guess that they had 53, uh, 53, yeah. so 53 yards total on three scoring drives. Uh, and the Cowboys had 78 on that one field goal drive. So basically the Cowboys were moving the ball up and down the field. They just couldn't finish anything off. And the Patriots special teams literally won them this game because you take that blocked punt out and the Cowboys probably win. So. I mean, it is, and as Jerry Jones said, special teams is the one phase of the game where you can say it's 90% coaching to know what to do in, in proper situations, and the Cowboys looked lost. Well, and you mentioned, you were talking about the block punt, right, where the where the, the block punt, there were incredible job by Matthew Slater. Well, okay, so anyway, just to, but to point out, so there was a block punt by Matthew Slater. He, like, comes in there and, like, blocks the punt and then, like, does this, like, matrix-like spin backwards to make sure he doesn't touch the punter just to totally avoid roughing. That's why that dude doesn't contribute on offense or defense, but he's on Bill Belichick's, like, like he's one of his captains and he's always on that team year in and year out. Um, additionally, 
uh, the interception, Dak Prescott got a, it was a bad snap and it flew out of his hands and he fumbled it. He had to pick it up. That was before he put on the glove and then he rushed to throw the ball and Stefan Gilmore made an incredible diving interception in front of uh, Amari Cooper to pick him off. Amari Cooper was on the sidelines for a little while. And then the punt that I think Ryan was talking about that was insane. The Cowboys get up there and line up to punt the ball. And they, 13 from the Cowboys 40. Yep. It, yeah. And it's like, you know, everybody's punting there. They look out there and the Patriots don't have anyone back to return. In fact, the Cowboys have lined up a gunner out on the left side and the Patriots don't have anyone covering him. If they snap the ball and throw it to him, that guy's scoring. Like he's jogging into the end zone for a touchdown and Bill Belichick would have had his team ready to throw it. Like it's like, Hey, if, if you see somebody open at any time, snap the ball and throw it to him and, and run that play. I mean, right. Did that happen? Anyway, the, the, the Cowboys like panicked. I think let the, did the clock run down? They took a delay of game or did they call a timeout? Delay of game. Yeah. Fourth and 18 now. It's fourth and 18. And then they, oh, then they punted down and pinned them, but there was a penalty on the Cowboys. So then they had to repunt. And then where did the Cowboys end up? Where did the Patriots so end up? The first up? punt went to the 18 yard line. Fair yeah. enough. We'll take that. Yeah. Illegal motion. Bring it on back five more yards. The next punt goes to the New England 38. 20 yard field position change ends up being, uh, 40, 50, like a 22 yard punt basically after the net. So. And that, and that New England 38 was when they went down and they got their last field goal to go up, uh, 13 to nine. It was also really funny too because on that entire Cowboy series before they had all the penalties and the field position flip, Troy Aikman kept repeating, well, it's okay. It's not bad to punt here because they flipped the field position and like this is fine in this low scoring game. And then in the span of three plays, they lose like 30 yards of field position and it's rendered, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. Let me ask you guys this. I've seen him in a long time. Let me ask you guys this. If you flip, we always talk about flipping quarterbacks in the game. If you flip the coaches in this game and Belichick's the coach of the Cowboys and Garrett's the coach of the Patriots, what's the final score? 42 to 3 Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dubin was exactly right. It's a 9 and 2 team with a 2 and 9 coach. If you put Belichick on the Cowboys and gave him free reign and told Jerry to get out of town and gave like Bill Belichick the players that, that he's drafting, they're they're running give these players. Give him these players. He's dominating that division. Oh, p- please. The division's already clinched. The NFC East is the worst. It might be worse than the, than the AFC East this year. The only problem is, and I'm sure we'll start talking about this in the coming weeks, about all the guys who can get fired. And Sean talks about this too. Who are you going to hire? You're the Cowboys. You can hire somebody. Urban but where Meyer. are these people? Like, I don't know who you're going to hire. Like, who are the guys to know? I'm not saying the Cowboys should hire this guy, but I saw this name on Twitter and I honestly completely forgot he's going to be a coaching candidate and he probably is going to be near the top of the list for a lot of these teams. Mike McCarthy. There just, is, there just aren't any good coaches that like, I, I know none of us like Mike McCarthy, but He's going to be at the top of these lists because he actually if, did have success. If 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 the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett, Jerry Jones is going to go on a spending spree. He's what going, about the? Uh, did Jason Garrett say he wanted to go to the Giants? So that was the, that, that's what I was going to ask next. The report was on Sunday morning that Jason Garrett, and it's been reported that the Giants would have interest in Jason Garrett if he was. Please a, let that happen, please. This is just. I mean, this is part of the reason why I think Belichick has so much success. He's a really smart guy, obviously. But when you compare him to all these idiot teams, it's like he's the only guy who has a normal brain. And every other team, like, it's A, how can Jerry Jones watch this coach for a decade and be okay with it? And how can the Giants be looking at this for a decade and be like, 
that that's what we want. Like these teams are so stupid. They make Bill Belichick seem like a genius and he is a genius. But then when you compare it to all the other 31 teams and it's no wonder why they've dominated the, the NFL for two decades. These teams are so stupid. That's what he did today is he was like, we're going to let Dallas lose this game and we're not going to do anything to lose the game. We're going to run the ball, punt it to them and they're not going to be able to handle it. And it exactly worked perfectly. Uh, ironically, the Giants, of course, the only team that's beaten Belichick, or the, the Eagles too, but like, like the only team that's beaten Belichick twice this Super Bowl. Look, if the Giants fire Pat Shermer and hire Jason Garrett, A, it's a dance party because page views, right? Like that's going to do crazy page views. If the, if the, if the Giants hire the fired Cowboys coach and then, and then, and then Jarrah is out there like, Making it rain after chasing after Urban Meyer and Lincoln Riley and all these coaches. Uh, but B, look, I'm not going to say that I root, I don't root for Giants fans, but there's a lot of Giants fans who cross over as Yankees fans. And you know how I feel about the Yankees. You so love the them. Giants, so the Giants have to suffer for Yankees well, fans. And, and it's also that Giants fans are all, oh, woe is me and all this. You guys have two championships in the last, what, 11, 12 years? Like, come on, like, get right. out of here. But, like, the idea of, like, Giants fans being furious about their team being run poorly by Dave Gettleman, being, like, just, like, plowed into the ground because they're such a disaster, drafted Saquon Barkley, who's secretly not even that good anymore. Um, and it's like, and then they're like, oh, we saved it. We've got Daniel Jones. Everything's fine. We're trending upwards. And then, like, the Giants go and hire Jason Garrett. It would be in. Incredible. It's like, like, it's just, it's the Spider-Man meme come to real life. Like, it's like, oh, look, you conservative offensive coach who loves to punt, like, who loves to punt on fourth down, loves to kick short, uh, decides that, you know, you hire Jason Garrett instead. All right. Anything else from this game? Uh, is anybody concerned about the Patriots offense? Yes. No. Okay. I, I will say this though. Um, Isaiah Wynn played and I actually thought he had an impact in the running game specifically in that game clinching run they had with Michelle sealed the game was off the left side with him leading the way. So maybe that will help in the coming weeks. I mean, this is by far the most effective Sony Michelle's been and the Cowboys were stacking the box because they, I mean, this game was, the weather was disgusting. Like if you were, I mean, I was live betting it and it was like sitting at 40 for a long time. You could just hit 40, hit under over and over and over again. You knew there's no chance they were going over 40 points, 13 to nine final score. Uh, they're just, you couldn't move the ball in that weather. So, um, yeah, I was I was I was more impressed with the running game than I had been. Uh, Brady, thirty-seven passing attempts, seventeen to thirty-seven for one hundred ninety yards and a touchdown. That's not good. Again, the weather was bad. He was pressured. Um, I'm a little concerned. He's got too much, too many throws this season, though. Like right elbow injury, averaging like forty throws a game. It's not even December yet. Eh, I'd be a little nervous. Yeah, I don't think they're very good. Their defense is out of this world. Steph Gilmore, legit defensive MVP candidate, but. The offense is not. The uh, Patriots, by the way, uh, have now won t- at least 10 games in 17 consecutive seasons, dating back to 2003. It's just absurd. 49ers, who had 16 seasons from 83 to 98, for the most consecutive seasons with at least 10 victories. Um, New England has three blocked punts this year, by the way. That ties for the second most in the team's first 11 games of a season since 1990. Only the Kansas City Chiefs in 1990 had more. What about that tripping thing, though? We didn't really talk about that. Two tripping calls against the Cowboys. Both were bogus. The second one, Mike Pereira, for some reason, it's like, well, Travis lifted his leg up. And I thought Troy Aikman was going to run out of the booth and run up to New York or wherever Mike Pereira is in L.A. and, and no, Mike Pereira was in the booth of them. Can you oh. 
Can you guys guess how many tripping penalties they've been all season long? Four. Not seven. I heard four. In, I including heard... those or not including those? I'm not sure. Joe Buck got a little Joe, Joe, He's like, I mean, all due respect, Mike, I'm not sure how he's supposed to block without keeping his feet off the ground. It's like, I, it, he, he literally lifted his leg up like someone walked to step up a stair, and somehow that's tripping. By the way, that was completion on third down, I believe. It was made third it. and one, and it was the first down. To yeah. Oh, yeah. And then all it of a sudden. It starts at the third and 11, and then they lose the game two plays later when well, Amari, Amari can't come down. With it. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. It's a disaster for them. It seems, seems so, And by the way, disaster for people who bet on Dak for MVP, because even though he didn't play particularly well, if he it, leads a game-winning drive there with that throw to Amari, which was a great throw, his MVP candidacy doesn't matter what you do for the first three and a half quarters. If you lead a game-winning drive in Foxborough, it's shooting up. Well, he would have, he would have had that moment on the books where it's like the, you know, the, it's like the Heisman moment where you march down the field, lead your team to a victory. Yeah. And, and, and then they could have run the table down the stretch and, and, and to add on to Sean's stat of four tripping calls all season, that does include the Cowboys tripping. So the Cowboys got called for tripping twice, not just that first one. So that means 50% of the tripping calls for the entire 2019 season were in called on the Cowboys in this game. And there were three tripping calls in this game because the Patriots got called for tripping too. So I don't know if the refs, if somebody sent them a memo before the game to watch out for the tripping that almost never happens in the NFL. Uh, so 75% of all the tripping calls in the NFL this year were called in this game. Uh, by the way, Mario Cooper, first game as a Cowboy with zero receptions. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll rip through the rest of the schedule. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, the Eagles, undermanned. Knew they would have some a lack of weapons with the Seahawks coming to town. They were favored, but this line steamed like crazy. The Seahawks were favored by two points a kick after being a dog, three-point dog to open. And Vegas, the move was correct. The Seahawks win 17-9 to in Philadelphia. Top fantasy performer, obviously Rashad Penny with 18 fantasy points. Um, Rashad Penny apparently could not be set free until I finally cut him from my fantasy teams after holding on to him. All effing year in every effing league. He's finally decided to go off with a long run. The under 45 and a half hit easily. The Seahawks covered easily. By the way, should point out, guys, don't know if you guys know this, Pick 6 Podcast Parlay of the Week, it cashed. Only took 11, 12 weeks. I was going to say, that's the first time? First time all year. Uh, yep. Uh, my, I think my money, my money line parlay, my money line parlay in the, uh, on my picks column hit, and, uh, I went six and one. RJ White went, uh, is 4-0 and with one game pending, I think. And Pete Prisco, even more impressively, went 1-5. and Well, what are the odds on the parlay, Brenton? 
It was, uh, I think, like seven to one. The pick six pod parlay or the money or the money line parlay. The money line parlay. It was. I'll tell you in one second. As soon as I open up my. Well, I'm asking because you you said it was the first time a parlay hit all season. You went 12 weeks, so if it was at least 12 to one, boom, it's all even now. It doesn't even matter. No, uh, in fact, so I, well, no, so we were down two and a half units, which would be two hundred fifty dollars if you're betting a hundred dollars a thing um, on the parlay, and this will get you back about even, probably pay about two fifty for the pick six podcast, the three games. It was Bengals under, Jets plus three, Titans minus three. My money line parlay was half a unit to win three point one units. Saints, Pats, Jets, Browns, and 49ers. No sweat involved in it. You were, well, a little bit of sweat with the, the Patriots, but still. Um, and I guess the Saints, too. But you, but you get, it's a lot of sweating. There's Otherwise, no sweating. Otherwise, no sweating. Um, anyway, the Seahawks, as I was mentioning, go into Philadelphia and win. I got to tell you, I would be worried, Ryan, if I were the Eagles, because not only is Carson Wentz having extra tests done on his hand, his right hand, his throwing hand. Uh, Brandon Brooks apparently left this game with uh, what was reported, I believe, by uh, Zach Berman of the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Athletic, maybe. Um, maybe it's just the Inquirer that reported, it, but like he has anxiety and he had like sort of a, he has some panic attacks and he sort of left he left during the, the middle of the game. Um, Lane Johnson didn't play, and the Eagles were frankly a complete and utter disaster. Lane Johnson didn't play. Andre Dillard, the first-round pick, came in and was benched for Lane Johnson playing the right side. Um, everyone not, was hurt. Johnson. What's that? He wasn't benched for Lane Johnson. He was benched. But not for Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson could not play. Oh, okay. Well, he was benched playing right tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so the receivers today for the or on Sunday for the Eagles, J.D.R. Segal, Whiteside, Greg Ward, Mac Hollins, Jordan Matthews. That's it. Everybody else was hurt. Uh, Jordan Howard, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon, all out. Um, and look, maybe that has something to do with Carson Wentz, who didn't look great. He had two interceptions, had three fumbles, lost two of those fumbles. You mentioned the hand injury. He just done a huge deal, and he's not playing as well as he should be playing. He holds the ball a long time. He's making some bad decisions. Uh, one of the interceptions in particular sticks out to me, the one he threw down the left side. That was an absolutely horrible throw. And it sort of overshadows the fact that Russell Wilson didn't play great. Sean mentioned if Dak had just made that one pass to, to get them over the top in New England, uh, he would be elevated in the conversation for MVP. And he also probably would have surpassed uh, Russell Wilson for me this week too, but he's still uh, still up there. Um, so the, the Cowboys lose. That's good for the Eagles, but the Eagles also lost, and they have much more questions to, to worry about than whether they're going to win that division. Um, Debo, are you at all worried about the Eagles? The schedule helps playing the Dolphins and the Giants twice and the Redskins. It's I think it's just week 16. It's always going to come down to week 16. That is when they play the Cowboys, for anyone who does not have an Eagles schedule in front of them. <laughs> uh, but I do think Wilson hit the nail on the head here with, I think if you are the Eagles defense, you made Russell Wilson play his worst game of the season. Look, they absolutely... Russell Wilson, 13 to 25, 200 yards through an interception. He got sacked six times. He was running for his life this entire game. Uh, I think he missed a wide open receiver for the first time ever. I've never seen Russell Wilson. Uh, we saw Carson Wentz do it, but Wilson missed, uh, I think Jacob Hollister in the end zone from like five yards away. And Russell Wilson never blows that kind of throw. And so to see Russell Wilson struggle like that, and if you're the Eagles defense, all you're thinking is, 
man, if we just can score a touchdown or literally do anything, we could probably win this game. But instead, you just watch our offense turn the ball over five times because Carson Wentz throws two interceptions and they lose three fumbles. So it was just uh, – I mean, I can't – this has to be frustrating if you're an Eagles fan because the defense did play so well against – you know, one of the top two MVP candidates, and you just totally wasted that entire effort because your offense is trash right now. Yeah, I think what's concerning about Wentz is we just talked about the supporting cast, but if you look at a lot of these throws, I mean, they, he wasn't even giving the receivers a chance downfield. Um, and sorry, I shouldn't have said downfield. He wasn't giving the receivers a chance. <laughs> and it, it went out and it, well, I was going to say it looked like because the offensive line was banged up that they just had no faith whatsoever. It looked like what Frank Reich was doing in Indianapolis with all these short throws with Brissett. That's what they were doing with Wentz, and it just wasn't effective. I can't count the number of passes he dirted into the ground, like two yards in front of his receivers. Um, and, 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 def- and the thing that's concerning about Wentz is if you look at his average yards per attempt this entire year, it was sitting at 6.6 entering the season. Uh, the last two seasons, he was at 7.6. His rookie year is at 6.2. So it's much closer to his rookie year. I mean, he was at 5.7 uh, against the Seahawks. And we've been talking about for weeks that the Seahawks defense really is not that great. The one thing I will say about uh, Russell Wilson, that, like, I don't think he was good. I counted at least, I think, two DK Metcalf drops downfield. That would have been huge and really would have put the game away. It really did feel like you kept on looking back at this game and you're like, how are the Seahawks not up? 21 points how was it it was 10 to 3 I felt like for the longest possible time um and I do feel like Russell Wilson's receivers did play a little bit of a role in his bad stat line and Tyler Lockett coming back from that ankle only at two targets I mean this was the least involved I think we've ever seen Tyler Lockett in this offense which was a little bit concerning for you know fantasy owners but I have to imagine this is an aberration. He's usually the most targeted guy, but it was just a really weird game. You kept on feeling like the Seahawks were blowing them away, and it was 10-3 in the second half. Yeah, it was um, It was a little bit like the Patriots-Cowboys game in that, like, the feeling while you were watching it was like, oh, the Patriots are cruising in this, and you'd be like, oh, wait, they're up only up four points. You know, like, but the, you're right. The, Eagle, the Seahawks were only up seven. Uh, Carson Wentz uh, missed five throws within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's pretty, I mean, like, and it felt like it should have been more. A lot of them were, like, low, and, like, Zach Ertz was, like, rolling and diving to pick it up. Um, he only attempted four throws 15 yards or more past the line of scrimmage. One of those was complete uh, about 28 yards down the left boundary. One deep shot was incomplete, and then uh, two passes 15 yards or more were intercepted. He looked awful in this game. He had zero protection. No Alshon Jeff. I mean, no, 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 it was healthy. I mean, you know, no, no Jeffrey, no Aguilar. Uh, Ertz had a good game. Goddard didn't do a whole lot. Had a fumble. Yeah, had a fumble. He was just, and Javon Clowney didn't play either. So that's, that's extremely concerning. I think, I mean, Debo did point out, you know, like you do, it really is, it comes down to that Cowboys game. And the good news for the Eagles is that they have the Dolphins, Giants and Redskins the next three weeks. So you can win those three games just on coaching and like sheer talent alone, assuming Carson Wentz is healthy. Um, that, that, that Dolphins line though is interesting. The Dolphins are plus eight and Carson Wentz is getting more test on his, uh, on his, on his hand. I would, I would, if, if you got eight out there as of Monday morning, we'll probably hear more Monday afternoon. If you're listening to this, I would take the plus eight now and see if you can get a window in case Carson Wentz doesn't play or they hold him out for some reason. Wouldn't be surprised at all if they, maybe they went with Nate Sudfeld or, or Josh McCown next week against the Dolphins, hoping they can win and get Carson Wentz healthy and rested. Um, this team is like the Cowboys should be blowing this team away. 
The Cowboys should be walking away with this division. Well, we'll play the game again. If Doug Peterson were coaching the Cowboys, they would be 9-2. and two. You think so? Is Doug Peterson a good coach? He won a Super Bowl. Who's the coach for the Cowboys? With a backup quarterback against Bill Belichick. There's one coach in the NFL worse than Jason Garrett. Uh, Zach Taylor? Freddie <laughs> Outhouse. Yeah, Outhouse. Zach Taylor, actually, he, he proved some things to me on Sunday that I hadn't seen up close and personal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, what, a, what a tease, Ryan. I know. I'm just curious, you know, what we think Doug Peterson does with no Frank Reich, no Nick Foles. Well, I think that if uh, Carson Wentz injured, Doug Peterson is going to call Howie Rose and be like, dude, just call the Jags and trade for Nick Foles. I really want Nick Foles back, and then he can be our starter forever. I will say, over the summer, we were talking about who would you rather have, Wentz or Dak, and I think we all picked Dak just because of durability, but I would say that take has aged well for all of us, just to take a quick victory lap. And he's and, a answer. Well, and now the Eagles, no matter what happens with Carson Wentz, and we don't know, the, the Eagles could still win the division there. You never know. But right now, you cannot be comfortable with the fact that you're locked to this guy until 2023. Like, before, but you feel better than Sean McVay does. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Because you have yeah, – we... could maybe have success in McVay's system, but Wentz is just like a broke – he's fragile. Gets hurt all the time. It's like Brinson's ego. off is not great. It's going to be really funny when we've had, we spent so many years debating these two quarterbacks and it looked like for a while, oh, they're both going to be good. And maybe it's going to be, oh, my God, both these teams panicked and gave these guys extensions well before they should have. All right, so let me ask you this. What are the records? So the Eagles are five and six, and the Cowboys are six and five. The Eagles have the Dolphins, Redskins, and Giants, and the Cowboys have the Bills, Bears, and Rams. Bears on the road Thursday night, but they get seven days rest because they play the, the Bills on short order this week on Thanksgiving on CBS. What are the records of the Cowboys and Eagles when they meet in week 16 in Philadelphia? So four games from now is when they meet? Yeah, yes. They'll have the exact same record. I think the Eagles go 3-0, and and I think the Cowboys go 2-1. and Ooh, I don't know. I'm thinking. That's probably what the odds would say, too, because I think – although, I don't know. The Cowboys would be favored against the Bears on Thursday night, right? But they yeah. beat the Bears. Who's the middle team after that? They're the Bills, Bills Bears, and Battlestar Galactica. Bills, <laughs> Bills Bears, and Rams. I kind of They're not winning all three of those games. They'll I lose think- one. I think they're going to be with the, the Eagles will still be within a game of the Cowboys, but I won't be surprised to be honest if the Eagles lose to say the Giants. I mean, the Giants they're Ow. capable of putting together a decent game. I mean, look, we entered the season thinking the Eagles were going to be good, and I think that kind of skewed the way we look at the beginning of the season. It was like, oh, this is a team, you know, starting slow, but they'll be fine. But they they beat the Redskins by five in week one. I remember that was like a ten-and-a-half-point spread or something like that. They lost to the Falcons. They lost to the Lions. Like, I don't know if this team has ever been good at any point. But John just talked about this. But the they also beat the, the year, Packers and the Bills. Yeah, the beginning of the year, the teams were completely different. I, I'm saying I don't know at what point they've looked good. That's what I'm saying. They were right. good when they played the Giants. That well, the Cowboys, the Cowboys haven't beat a team with a winning record, and if the Rams have a winning record in week 15, they're going to have to play two teams with a winning record before they play the Eagles, and those teams are the Bills and the Rams. I could see the Cowboys going 1-2 and two in that three-game span and showing up 7-7, seven and seven, and I won't be surprised at all. That was, <laughs> it feels that, like the winner is going to have like nine wins of this that, If that happens, we'll be talking about 
Cowboys interim head coach Kellen Moore. I was going to say, we have to plan our Jason Garrett gets fired emergency podcast right now. Are you guys free on December 6th after they lose to the Bears? Uh, and no. by the way, if somebody gets fired before the season ends, yes, we'll do an emergency podcast. Uh, we will have one big recap of the uh, firing spree after the season ends. Thank God it's not on January 1st this year. Someone's definitely going to get fired as I'm in line to go see the Rise of Skywalker, and then I'm going to have to bail for the fifth time. You'll have hopefully, already known. Yeah. Hopefully, Sean, you're the one that gets fired. <laughs> wow. Send it in that to HR. I don't know. That's got to break some sort of rule. HR knows about it. Trust me. I mean, I, I think HR is probably more worried about you, like, leaving to go watch Rise of Skywalker on a work day than they are. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get to Rise of Thor. It's like, that's enough. Eagles are terrible talk, please. Saints, Panthers, Saints 34, Panthers 31 in a wild shootout in the bayou. Kyle Allen, Drew Brees, both 28 fantasy points. Exciting. The Panthers covered the plus 10. The over 46 and a half obviously hit. Sean Payton said that it wasn't our best game. It wasn't their best game. And quite honestly, it wasn't New York's best game. Once again, Sean Payton's got some beef with the referees who gave the Panthers a couple free plays down by the goal line on a, uh, on a, on a questionable flag. Um, after Sean Payton challenged a pass interference penalty that was obvious it should have been overturned. It didn't get overturned. And um, then Joey Sly missed a 28-yard field goal to give the Panthers a probable win. Saints marched right back down and kicked the field goal. According to Next Gen Stats, had a 93.5% chance of being made. And now there's probably about a 93.5% chance that Ron Rivera is going to get fired. Yes, Sean. Really quick. The pass interference on that Panthers drive was not called on the field, and then the Panthers challenged it, and they overturned it. So they finally overturned one against the Saints. A, I believe it was. it's even worse. The Panthers didn't challenge it. No, it, I, I'm reading it. The Carolina challenged the play for the pass interference. Really? The play was reversed. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Sean Payton was angry. Because thought, they haven't been reversing them all year, and this is Sean Payton's rule, and they finally reversed it, and it happened against no, the but Saints. Sean Payton had already previously challenged in this game pass interference, and it was not overturned, even though it was very clearly. Oh, I'm talking about in the last series. Which, Sean yeah, Payton was out of challenges in the first half. Yeah, he it was, was like seven minutes into the game. Yeah, in the first quarter, actually. 6.42. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking that it was under two minutes. Um, they were down there on the third three on the New Orleans five. When it was Carolina challenge, Ron Rivera challenge. So it was like, I mean, Sean Payton was like, like the, like the, the, cause it was actually, this is the Romo, uh, Nance game. And like our CBS cameras were doing an excellent job just locking in on Sean's Payton, Sean Payton's face. And he was just dropping F bombs up and down. Like at one point, I think it was Sean, P- no, 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 uh, John Gruden actually did. I'll tell, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but then the Panthers then proceeded to run, uh, three more plays. This is after they got, they, you know, they'd already run a bunch of plays in the red zone, ran three more plays. Kyle Allen gets sacked. Joey Slide comes out for a 20 yard field goal, misses it, uh, with two minutes left. And, uh, and then Drew Brees marches down and Will Lutz buries a 33 yard field goal to end it, um, and give the Saints a, a spot. Yeah. Sorry. I got my timing messed up on that. I think, cause I think that game ran really long, right? It yeah. like, it like bled like really far into the four o'clock window. That's what, that, that's what it was. Um, yeah. And, uh, what, what, Ryan? That's so funny. Bleeding into the four o'clock window got your clocks all messed up. Yeah, Ryan, I have a sensitive body and mind clock. I don't know what the problem. <laughs> Do you think Ron Rivera should get fired? It hadn't crossed my mind until you just said it. Not in, in recent weeks. Uh, look, the field goal kicker honked a twenty-eight yarder. You're playing with uh, 
Kyle Allen. That's the Allen. Kyle Allen played a really good game, too. Yeah, he bounced back from having two terrible games in a row. You don't have no idea what your quarterback situation is next year. I don't, I don't, again, I'll ask the question. What's plan B? Yeah. Uh, Also, also two extra points. I was going to go there, Sean. Are you the special teams correspondent or am I the special teams correspondent? I'm the correcting Ryan Wilson correspondent. Well, and that was the thing is that Joey Sly didn't just miss that 28 yard field goal. He did miss two extra points. And so you're talking about missing three kicks from 33 yards or closer. I mean, that's about as disastrous as a game as you can have for a kicker, especially when your team loses by three points. Uh, but, Brinson, I think you hit – you know, like the Panthers aren't in playoff contention. I wouldn't be surprised if David Tepper just decides, you know what, I'm just going to start over. I, Ron Rivera tried this year. Good job, good luck, but you're gone. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone after the season. guess you guys don't read uh, Jason Lockenforce's stories. He reported that a shakeup could be coming if the Panthers don't, you know, get things going. And here's the deal. David Tepper paid $2 billion for the team and is interested in, you know, putting his own stamp on it. Rivera's not big into analytics. He talks about how annoying they are a lot. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. There's, there's a bunch of games left to be played, but Carolina is probably dead in the water when it comes to the playoffs. At this point, the only non-team that's already in there, um, would be the, would be the Rams. Where would you put the, the Saints, Sean, in terms of your, you were, you were talking about how the, the, the Packers don't belong. Where would you put the Saints in that group? Is it just the Saints and the 49ers? Yes. Uh, I mean, the Se- I mean, I don't think the Seahawks from top to bottom are as good as those teams because they have Russell Wilson. It's hard for me not to put that in that tier because I just – when's the last time Russell Wilson has lost a game that, by, like, double digits? Like, he always, you feel like, has them close. I never have lost a game by double digits. <laughs> I assume it's happened at some point in his career. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was this year against the Ravens, but whatever. Yeah. Dunked on! What? Man, you guys got kindly dunked me, on. Me, I agreed with... Right. Anyways, I'm not getting sucked into this. Um, <laughs> in terms of teams from top to bottom, I put the Saints and 49ers in their own tier, but if Russell Wilson was going to San Francisco, I would take Russell Wilson. Um, the... Uh... Yeah, the thing with the Saints, though, I mean, like, they're, they haven't been great since the bye. They lost to the Falcons at home. They Drew should have had some doo doo throws against the Panthers. Yeah, Breeze didn't, I mean, he's just not, he's like not challenging downfield. I mean, Michael Thomas is freaking awesome. I, the defense just hasn't looked quite as sharp, I don't think. 30 of 39 for Breeze. Unless you're giving Kyle Allen a forearm shiver and you're Cam, whatchamacallit, Cam Jordan. What was that about? Yeah, it was weird. He was trying to get the ball out. I think yeah. it looked. I think it was one of those that looked really bad in slow motion. But like, he was facing the ball, and I, I think it was like as the whistle was going, he was trying to do the punch. Uh, it's interesting though. Now that you asked me this question, I'm looking at the Saints' schedule, and uh, Breach always calls me Mr. Point Differential. Man, they've played in a lot of one-score games. They they beat the Texans by two, beat the Seahawks by Saints, Cowboys by two, Bucks by seven, Jags by seven. Uh, and then that's it. But a lot of their wins have come by one score. Well, those, were all, those were all Teddy Bridgewater games. Right. Maybe I put the 49ers there alone. Right. I would. Well, Ryan Wilson has spoken. So What would be the 49ers-Saints line on a neutral field? Niners by... By three? three? Yeah, three. probably by three. Yeah. I think four. <laughs> Ryan Wilson has spoken. <laughs> Thank you. Based on the wins over Wilson metric, I feel like Wilson is correct. So let's revise it, and it's four points. 
Thank you, Breach. All right. Anything else on the Saints? Do we feel like we – Alvin Kamara, the, the Panthers – like I said, the Panthers – we spent too much time on the, the Panthers there. I don't even know. Um, Thomas Michael Thomas had 10 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Jared Cook, Jared Cook was balling out this year. He had a really good game in this game. Um, six catches on eight targets, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, we also saw uh, Latavius Murray, seven carries, 64 yards, one touchdown. Alvin Kamara had over 100 total yards but did not score, came very close. DJ Moore, huge game for the Panthers, six catches, 126 yards. Christian McCaffrey, nine targets, nine catches, 69 yards, one touchdown. Waiting for Sean to say nice. He didn't. 22 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown, two touchdowns total for Christian McCaffrey. Like I said, Kyle Allen, good game. I thought it was a good effort by the Panthers, but, I mean, they're they're drawn dead now, and they need to just find a way to win three games and hit that season total over. The Saints, 9-2 and two now, right in the mix with the 49ers. And, by the way, don't know if you guys know this, two weeks. 49ers Saints play in New Orleans, December 8th, week 14, 1 p.m. on Fox. Let's flex that. Sunday Night Football. Make it happen. So that's an exciting game to watch for. Moving along to the Browns and the Dolphins. My best bet of the entire day. The Browns, Dolphins over, and it cashed. 20 points to spare. 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter at cash. Hope you were tailing that. Nick Chubb, 21 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 8 carries, 37 yards and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry, revenge game, 10 catches, 148 yards, 2 touchdowns. OBJ, 6 catches, 84 yards and a score. Baker Mayfield was awesome in this game. 24-34, 327 yards, 3 touchdowns. Did have one pick. Um, oh, what, what's that? I'm getting breaking news in my ear. Yep, that's right. Devontae Parker's cold smoking Sammy Watkins now. 91 receiving yards. How you feel about that, Ryan? You get your boys getting taken to the woodshed by my guy. Devontae Parker out here smacking Sammy around like it was a WrestleMania event. Oh, what a game. I love this game. Unbelievable. Sammy ought to be ashamed of himself. That's all I can say. I was mad as a box of frogs, Sammy. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins in rushing five carries, 45 yards, and one touchdown. 214 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. It was a quintessential Fitzpatrick experience. Just like scrambling around like a madman, chunking throws into windows he has no place, no business chunking them into. And the Browns are just a much better team. I liked how Baker and the offense elevated their game, knowing that the defense wasn't really going to be able to do a whole lot without Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi. And I thought this is probably Baker's one, if not this game, then the game against Baltimore, one of his best games of the season. Notorious for beating up on bad teams, the Browns are. And they're going to be doing it for the next few weeks. They get the Steelers next week in, uh, the, the Battle Brawl part two. Then they get the Bengals, uh, twice over the course of the season. And really the only game they won't be favored in, the Browns, is against the Ravens. Can the Browns breach, make a playoff push? Brenton, they can make a playoff push. I have been riding this Browns bandwagon since a couple weeks ago when you guys left them for dead. Uh, I was the only one. What? That was me. Uh, I've got, I don't know. Brenton's on every bandwagon, John. I honestly can't remember what What? I said. Brenton is on 29 bandwagons because I know he's not on the Bengals bandwagon. So that's one he's not on. But look, the Browns right now, I think if they beat the Steelers, and it, that game against the Ravens in week 16 kind of depends on if the Ravens have anything to play for. Because if they don't, they're not going to risk like Lamar Jackson getting hurt or anything like that. What are you that, talking about? 
The Ravens will be playing for home field advantage. They're not resting Lamar Jackson. They're not going to have anything wrapped up. No, I just – they could have something wrapped up. They could know that they can't win uh, the top overall seed. They could know that – like, you don't... That's not That's not happening. No, that's ridiculous. Okay, let's, let's save the timestamp in case it does happen. <laughs> so, they're, anyway. They, they have the head-to-head tiebreaker with the Patriots, and they're one game behind them. I think that – well, yeah. They could lose if, to the 49ers. And... Yeah, they could lose to the 49ers. They could be out of – the, like they could be out of the running for the number one seed by the time Week 16 comes that, around. At that point, they're going to be worried about the Browns catching them for the division if that happens. They're not going to be worried about that. Okay, but here anyway, you asked about the playoffs and you asked about the Browns. I think the Browns are going to go nine and seven. So the question becomes: Is that going to be good enough to uh, get them in the postseason? And right now, it might because the Steelers are six and five in the sixth spot. The Raiders are six and five. The Colts are six and five. The Titans are six and five. So they're only a game out. They play the Steelers, so you win that, all of a sudden you're ahead of them. Uh, I think the Browns have a legit shot. If the if the Ravens lose two games to the at the Rams and to the 49ers at home, which is not unreasonable at all, and the Browns run the table, uh, the Browns might win the division. Yeah, especially if they sit Lamar Jackson in Week 16. Oh, oh hey, Ryan, what happens if the Ravens sit Lamar Jackson in Week 14? In week 14, who are they playing in week 14? <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, no, I'm just making up preposterous scenarios. That you guys are terrible there. I'm not even. Week 16 is not preposterous. You guys are terrible to argue. So it's... you're talking about 8 and 2. Even if the, the Ravens are 8 and 2 right now, even if they lost two games, they'd still finish 12 and 4. The Browns can't get to 12 and 4, so they don't have to worry about losing the division, Brinson. And that is just inane. I don't lost... know if my goal was to use that word on the podcast today. Okay, John, if they lose their next two games and win their next two games, they would be 10 and 4. Going into week 16 against the Browns. Browns are five and six. If the Browns win their next three games, they would then be eight and six. And they would have, they would knock the, the Ravens down to 10 and five, and they would be nine and six. They would be uh, one game back with the head to head sweep over the Ravens, which would mean that if they beat Cincinnati in week 17 and the Ravens lose to Pittsburgh in week 17, then they would steal the division in your hypothetical inane scenario. So don't bring the scheduling hypotheticals to the master of the playoff picture. For instance, the Ravens are not going two and four over the final six weeks. But then, then your argument about Lamar Jackson uh, is completely pointless because they'll still be able to catch the Patriots. So you just dunked on yourself. No, they can get the, they can clinch the two seed without having to get the one seed. What if the Chiefs lose another game and all of a sudden the Ravens have a two-game cushion on them and week 16 have the two seed clinch but they can't get the one seed? Boom, then they have nothing to play for. Dunked on you, reverse dunked on your dunk. Okay, I'm good. You know what this is, Sean? Are these, you guys are guys, these are two guys standing at their own end line and trying to throw the basketball 94 feet and missing everything back and forth. By the way, and we oh, have to watch uh, it. While we're talking about Cleveland, Ugh. you haven't had it. Great Lakes, Great Lakes Brewing Christmas Ale. You guys ever had that? Comes out. No, like, but you haven't talked about beer in a while, though, so I applaud you. Thank you. Comes out once a year. It's a. Uh, it's a beer. Shut up, Sean. Um, fresh honey, cinnamon, and ginger flavors in a delightful ale. It is perfect for the winter months. Highly recommend. If you can get your hands on it, check it out. Uh, it's delicious. I bought. I, they didn't send this to me. I tried it myself. It's one of my favorite winter beers. Saw it at Total Wine over the weekend and said, I'm going to get me a six-pack of that. Um, anyway, the Dolphins, unfortunately for them, are they're, – they're cratering. They were this frisky little uh, – you know, Breach had been talking for weeks. So the Dolphins are covering all these games. They got blown out the last two weeks, okay? The Dolphins are back to stinking. The Dolphins are trash again. 
Uh, retanking. They're retanking, but they can't tank hard enough. They already got too frisky, and now they can't catch the Bengals because they're two games behind the Bengals. Maybe the Dolphins will sit all their players in Week 16 so they can try and catch the Bengals for the number one overall seed. Um, it's probably not going to happen next well, week. The other problem is that uh, the Laramie Tons will make a Fitzpatrick trade. Steelers currently have the 22nd pick in the draft. Texans have the 25th pick. So, and Tua Tagovailoa is hurt. They're, ba- they're going to be a much worse team next year with all these draft picks than they they're, were. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You're going to have three first-round picks and then stink and get Trevor Lawrence next year. Um, How you, yeah, that was the whole plan for Tua. How'd that work out? Or they get Tua with the 26th pick. Yeah, maybe it works out great. Tua can't walk. I know you're the guy yeah. who doesn't think he's going in the first round, but. You got dunked on by Colin Coward on a nationally syndicated radio show. <laughs> Oh, oh boy. He didn't name names. <laughs> CBS writer didn't have him in the first round. Hua is taking Tua. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing a game. Hua. Oh, what do you think we should do for, uh, actually, you know what? Since we're talking about tanking, Tebow and I made a unilateral decision a few moments ago. We're going to bump. Usually we like to save the Bengals for the last game. We're like, oh, that's all the games that matter. Let's move on. Uh, but, you know, we're going to bump with the Bengals. And we're going to mix in a little uh, Mason Rudolph chatter here. Um, what do we call now that two is now that tank for two is done? Died an early death. R.I.P. I hope everything's well. What do we call in the Burrow, the Joe Burrow? What are we doing? On the lean for Burrow. I like, I like Brentson's. I saw Brentson's suggestion. I like Brentson's suggestion. On well, I suggest, Ryan, and you can well. run with this. We're going to use his last name as the verb, and we're going to say we're burrow for Joe. I like that. You're going to burrow into the, you know, burrowing into the ground. You're burrowing deeper. Ryan, I would love it if he'd come up with it, but now that I can. Look at, look at that, look at the face. He's like... Ryan is thinking that what he said is ten times better because bungling for burrow also incorporates the crappiest team in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals. There was a time about. The Cincinnati Bagels. Thank you. <laughs> I w- that was a good one. There was a time 12 hours ago where I thought the Washington Redskins were the worst team in the NFL and it wasn't even close. And then I actually watched 60 minutes of Bengals football. I will say this, and Breach says this every week, it is actually fun watching the Bengals. The Bengals <laughs> Steelers See, game. See, I wasn't actually, making it up. <laughs> it was close. It, it On Saturday, I went to watch my 12-year-old play soccer, and it looked like a bunch of 12-year-olds <laughs> playing soccer. You knew the kids, so you sort of enjoyed it because they did some things well, did a lot of things wrong. That's what it's like watching the Steelers-Bengals game. A lot of terrible football, but it's close. You know some of the people. You sort of have you know relationships from watching over the years, and uh, it was it was an enjoyable three hours of football. Ryan Finley is truly terrible. Half of this podcast watched the full sixty minutes of Steelers Bengals. Yeah, of course. It came down to the end. You that watched the thriller. Uh, by the way, the Steelers are the sixth seed in the AFC. I was going to say the Steelers are in the playoff race. The Bengals are fighting for the number one overall pick. This was must-watch football. This <laughs> I can't believe you guys didn't watch all sixty minutes. Hey Ryan, um, do you think that uh, Mason Rudolph is going to play next week? I have a conspiracy theory, and this may not be original, but they he played like dog crap, obviously, uh-huh. um, and he's played like dog crap for much of the year. Well, you, you know what? Before we ask you. Let's ask Sheldon Richardson if he thinks Mason Rudolph is going to play next week. Sheldon, the Rudolph got benched today. Would it be disappointing if he doesn't play next week? I don't really care, bro. You guys did such a great job. Of- I hope he plays. Yeah. I hope he plays. Why? Did you see him last game? <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland reporters just cack 
cackling at the, the idea of, of the fact that he uh, he's not going to play. Do you think – see, what's your conspiracy theory about Mason Rudolph? Played like crap. Tomlin's like, you know what? Let's bench him. He he got his head – you know, Miles Garrett tried to decapitate him. He was accused of being a racist. Then he came out there, and he was like 8 for 15 for 80 yards. Bring in Duck Hodges. Duck doesn't care about anything. He won a duck calling contest. Like, he doesn't care about football. He cares about hunting and uh, eating uh, – what do you call those little things? Sunflower seeds. That's what he cares about. We'll let him play against the Browns. It doesn't matter. Steelers fans will love him. We'll keep Mason out of the game altogether. Doesn't have to worry about getting uh, having a hit put on him, getting murdered in, in the middle of that game. Like my favorite movie, The Last Boy Scout, which I brought up now three times this season. <laughs> That's my conspiracy theory. And uh, by the way, we were talking about this before the game, uh, before the podcast started. If Mason Rudolph had stayed in that game, the Steelers are losing that game probably by 10 points. He was absolute and utterly horrific. Yeah, I was going to give you my conspiracy theory, which is Mason Rudolph sucks and they should have benched him weeks ago, and that's why he got benched finally. Ryan, if, if Duck Hodges... Plain sight theory. <laughs> if Duck Hodges leads the Steelers to the playoffs, should the Steelers change their name to the Ducks? Sure. Plain um, sight theory. How dare you, sir? They didn't have a back... What's the backup plan? You can put... Duck Hodges out there after he steamrolled Philip Rivers and made him cry. Philip Rivers tried to fight the whole Steelers team at the end of the game because he kept throwing interceptions. Wait, what does that have to do with Philip Rivers? <laughs> That's Duck Hodges' only start prior to potentially next Sunday. Look, man, the Bengals are, and it's not remotely close, the worst defense in football. Well, and, that's what I was about to say. They are, and, and what did Mason Rudolph do? Nothing. Sorry, Brinson. No, that's what I was about to say. Is that the Bengals are the worst defense in yeah. football? Mason Rudolph couldn't do anything against him. Maybe the Steelers were looking ahead to the Browns next week. I, I don't know. No, uh, Mason Rudolph is terrible. He sucked yeah, all season. He, he's just bad. That's just who yeah. he is. He's terrible. He's terrible that's at football. Right. That's how I began the conversation. Like you can't watch him this season. There cannot be anyone out there that actually thinks he's good, right? It's just been so. He's like he's just been no horrible on planet Earth, including Mason's parents. Thanks, Mason has played well this year. But Duck- importantly, Mason Rudolph not a racist. Totally untrue, and uh, you know I couldn't believe it, and I couldn't believe that you know, he would, you know, go that route after after the fact. But uh, it is what it is. I think I moved on, and uh, one day it was tough, but moved on. We're good now. We're good, good, good to go now. Just to be clear, is there any room for interpretation? You said something that might have, you know, some other. I, absolutely not. I did not. There was nothing. Not in. Not even close. Well, I mean, I guess he could theoretically be one but he claims he didn't say anything that was racially insensitive or a racial slur to uh to miles garrett do you believe him ryan we talked about this other night it seems like a weird thing for miles garrett to not have told anyone and then showed maybe it happened no, it just seems like a, a weird sequence of events where you get called a racial slur you apologize to mason rudolph the next day in the steelers organization you don't say anything to anyone until you go see roger goodell you didn't think it would come out that you were going to tell Roger Goodell that to try to get your suspension reduced, and then it comes out four or five days later. Like I said, maybe Mason said it. The 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 evidence seems to suggest that it didn't sound like he did it. No one heard him on, on the Brown side. No one heard him on the Steelers side. Of course, there were no mics on the field. The one game in the history of the NFL in the last five years has been out of mic on the field. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at on that. By the way, it was kind of funny that Hodges comes into the game. Literally, his third snap, he hits. Uh, Ryan's favorite receiver of all time, uh, Jimmy Washington, I believe is what he calls him, instead of James for some reason, for a 79-yard touchdown. And it was like, you know what, maybe maybe you guys should have made this move for a while. And I joked about it last week. Like, the worst thing the NFL did was not suspend Mason Rudolph. That was the worst thing for the Steelers. 
I know. One drive, Duck Hodges had more passing yards than Mason had the entire first half. <laughs> Somebody in the comments is like, ah, oh, but Princeton's mad that Sean got a tweet went viral. I'm like, no, man, I told him to tweet that. Please. It's a good tweet. Here's your Bengals fun fact. Zach Taylor at 0-11 is just the fifth coach since the merger in 1970 to start his first year 0-11. It very rarely happens. Even for coaches who take over bad teams, they usually win at least one game through the first 12 weeks of the season. Zach Taylor could not, and now he has joined a group of doo-doos. Do you think he's going <laughs> winless, Breach? You know what? Who are they going to be? My, in my mid-season bold predictions, I was so sour on the Bengals that I wrote this. They were 0-7 at the time when I wrote this, and I said – and the Dolphins were still winless also. And it just felt like the Bengals were the team that wasn't going to win a game. Their best shot is probably the Jets this week. No, in Cincinnati. No. Jets are playing well. Jets, Jets are, are horrible on the road. Horrible on the road. And, What's and the then, line for that game? It is only three points. Uh, Jets are only favored by three. Jets. Take the Jets. Remember the Jets. Seriously. <laughs> the Jets have scored 34 <laughs> points in three straight weeks. Wait, Let that, me tell you this. That can't be the – it's three and a half now. I'm buying that at three but and a half. The, the, the Jets are four and 17 on the road in their last 21 road games. So what, are the, what are the Bengals? On the road, they're playing at, at home. home. Um, well, they're they're pretty bad. They are they are pretty. They're one and eight in their past nine home games. So this is like, <laughs> yeah, this is a doo doo fest. Let's not. Let me say this not. about Zach Taylor. I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's he's Sean McVay coaching tree, right? Yeah, he was the like quarterbacks coach. The very first drive of this game, though, he's not like. He like just sort of showed up at Sean McVay's like, coaching staff one one year. Like he's not. He like, is. He, he is was Greg the assistant from... wide receivers coach, right? And then he became the quarterback coach for one year, and then he. Do well, I have that right, or do I mix up with like Lafleur? All these McVay he, guys. He was the offensive coordinator for the Bengals after they fired yes. uh, Joe Philbin midseason. They promoted um, uh, the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Dolphins. The Dolphins. That was his only play calling experience in the NFL, and he was at the University of Cincinnati, right? Do yeah. I have this wrong? And they averaged 19.7 points per game. I remember because I wrote a billion articles about so this guy. So he was there for one year, and then in 2017, he was the assistant wide receivers coach for the Rams, and then got bumped up to QB coach and is now a head coach. And as Sean just said, has really no offensive coordinator, offensive play calling experience, except for a half a year with the Dolphins, like Princeton said, and a season with the Cincinnati Bearcats. I don't know what in the interview, like what in the world? I don't know. I don't want to. I know, I know Sean McVay. Well, for the second time in this podcast in the last few months, I'm going to compare him to Greg from Succession because that's who he is. He's sort of tangentially related to a bunch of important people and has no real qualifications. The very first drive of this game on Sunday, and I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, the Bengals get the ball first, and they go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven plays. Fourth and two, it comes down to from the Cincy 46. You are 0 and 10. Literally nothing to lose. Fourth and two from your own 46, and you punt it. Why? What are you doing? You have Joe Mixon, who was running all over the Steelers in the second half. All you can do is turn around. Ryan Finley can actually hand the ball off. That's about all he can do. By, by, by the way, you know we never really questioned enough, or maybe we did and I just forgot about it, but like Matt LaFleur left the offensive coordinator job with the Rams in 2017 to go be the Titans offensive coordinator. Yes. 
That should be a red flag. Like, no, you shouldn't make that move. And, well, it's because he wanted to call plays. I know. I, 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 I know. I know. I'm just. I'm just sort of. Bad. Oh, you got dunked on by Sean. I, <laughs> I don't know. That was a well, actually, against Will, actually. <laughs> you got Oscared by Sean. Well, but th- that was the reason that Lafleur got promoted. I mean, that uh, that that Taylor got promoted to quarterbacks coach. He moved up, and Sean Sean McVay called plays, and they didn't have an offensive coordinator that year because he didn't want to make Taylor the offensive coordinator in his first season. Gee, um, I wonder why. He's bad, man. He's so bad. There's zero chance uh, he gets fired there, right? Like zero. I don't know. Oh no, he's not getting fired. The Bengals yeah, are not. Mike Brown is yeah. the stingiest, dare I say, cheapest owner in the NFL. He is not firing a guy and paying him four years to not work for the team. Zach Taylor, there's a zero percent chance he gets fired after the season. But Brent, you asked if I thought they would win a game. What do you guys think? Like, I do no. not think they're going to win a game. Looking at the schedule, Miami is their only be? chance. Miami is their only chance. In Miami, right? like they have a chance. Like you get bad fits, like there's a chance. I mean, what am I missing on this Jets game? The Jets are going to slaughter them. I Wait agree. a second, though. Here's something else to consider. After the game, Zach Taylor wouldn't commit to who the quarterback was going to be. Breach and I were talking about this. Andy Dalton comes in that game. They also beat the Steelers. He's sitting on the bench, chucking it up with AJ Green, having a grand old time because he knows under no circumstances <laughs> is he going to have to go in the game. So he just gets a day off and gets paid for it. And they keep rolling Ryan Finley out there. He is completing 47% of his passes. Our buddy Paul Daner, who writes for The Athletic and covers the Bengals, who is the most upbeat person in the world, wrote on Sunday, you cannot complete fewer than 50% of your passes and consider yourself an NFL quarterback. And yet here we are with Ryan Finley, who has been atrocious in three starts. You know what you have in Ryan Finley. What's the plan if you want to win a football game this year? What are you talking about? You know what you have. That's the whole point. You don't know what you have. It's th- yeah, three he started three games. He's averaged 11 points a game. And he's been horrible. You know what you have. He's not NFL caliber quarterback. Yeah, but what is the point of playing Dalton and ripping off a win or two and maybe not getting the top pick? You might as well just play Finley well, yeah, off what, his trade value. Dalton completed 60.4% of his passes. He's a 32-year-old, 10-year veteran. Do you in the guys – I mean, just worse than Finley. while we harp on the Bengals for being 0-11, do you guys – Recall, someone on this podcast made a bet that Andy Dalton would break the all-time record for passing yards in a single season. That's worse than Devontae Parker bet, by the way. And just to mind you, to to flash back, someone was afraid to take that bet and had to be talked into it for 10 minutes uh, because he legitimately thought it was going to happen, whereas I was just having fun. And I will happily wear a Mitchell Trubisky sticker and go over to Jay Cutler's house and have him sign my sticker. All right, we have spent – Way too long in this game. I don't know. I think we spent like seven minutes on the Bengals, which is six minutes and 59 seconds too much. As we point out, the Steelers are the number six seed in the playoffs. They they now. Who do we all think will be the six seed? Well, let's, as we continue to talk about these teams, let's get to it. Why don't we talk about the Jets and the Raiders? We mentioned the Jets are going to Cincinnati. They are playing the Bengals next week. They have been dominant on offense. I know they haven't played anybody good, but again, they're playing the, uh, the, the Bengals next week. They've scored 34 points in they three. They played a good team on Sunday. They slaughtered the Raiders in this game. Absolutely slaughtered them. This is one you know of my how bad they slaughtered them? Yeah, boy. Mike, Mike Glennon came. I know. I needed Mike Glennon to hit the over in this game. I had the over big and freaking Glennon. Come on, man. Did you retweet good. that tweet you deleted? Um, look, Sam Darnold has looked awesome the last three weeks, 20 to 29, 315 yards and two touchdowns. Feels like, again, I know that they beat the Giants, the Redskins, and the Raiders. Not great defenses, not great teams, but Sam Darnold. The Raiders is, are not a terrible team. Their defense stinks, right? They might be bad. You were on Twitter apologizing to all the Raiders fans 48 hours ago because they were yelling <laughs> at you for crapping all over the Raiders. 
This is the first time Brinson has changed his mind within a two day span. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think you know where I stand on the Raiders. I'm just, I was giving credit. You're to lying to people. I don't know. I, you toned down your Raiders hate last week, uh, because you felt guilty. The Raiders aren't good. Uh, <laughs> the Raiders aren't that's good. Just, Breach, that's also, the same face he had when he found out, he found out he had to do the Saturday night podcast in a few weeks. <laughs> Derek Carr, 15 of 27 for 127 yards, no touchdowns and one pick. Jalen Rashard, the leading receiver in this game with 47 receiving yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson, four catches, 86 yards and one touchdown. Incredible job, to, like, like moving the ball around by Sam Darnold. Le'Veon Bell had a really nice game, over 100 total yards, uh, didn't score. Darnold had a rushing touchdown to add on with his two passing touchdowns. Ryan Griffin caught uh, a passing touchdown as well. Demarius Thomas was involved. This could have been a bigger, like the Jets could have hung fi- a 50 burger on him, but the Raiders just. You didn't mention Braxton Berrios from Raleigh, Leesville High School. That's right. Uh, went to Miami. One catch for 69 yards. Nice. The, uh, I, was, I was paying attention that time. Look, the the Raiders way. I mean, we point out they put in they put in Glennon with like, I mean, there was like, there was like 13 minutes left in the fourth. A quarter. lot of time. Like they waved the white flag, um, and uh, you know what, John Gruden. Oh, we didn't get. Uh, I thought we got audio, of John Gruden. We didn't. He wasn't very happy. He was. Uh, he said after the game, he said something like, "It was like." Have you ever been on a ship when it's sinking? It's not very fun. You don't want to be on a ship when it's sinking. Um, he also had, there was a moment captured on uh, television in which he screamed, uh, do you guys have seen Usual Suspects, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know when Stephen Baldwin is doing the lineup and they make everybody read, you got to say, you see S-ing MFers? Gruden looks exactly like Stephen Baldwin as he's screaming, you C S ing M effer at the referee from the sideline. Like you can like read his lips. That is clearly what he says. He looks exa- he's like freaking out just like Stephen Baldwin. Uh not a great game for Oakland. And now they are in a weird spot because they looked like a uh, like they were going to be cruising to the playoffs and we're going to give the Chiefs a chance or at least give the Chiefs a, a you know a run in that division. Now they're going to Kansas City and then they have the Titans, Jaguars, and at the Chargers and at the Broncos. That is not a fun five game stretch. I don't think they'll lose them all and save the under here, Sean, but uh, I think the Chiefs are going to uh, bloodbath them. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think the Raiders are good. I will say before I get into why they're not good, uh, they definitely could still make the playoffs because that sixth seed in the AFC is going to be a team that probably isn't good. But uh, again, Breach calls me Mr. Point Differential. Here are the teams that have a uh, a better point differential than the Oakland Raiders: the Atlanta Falcons, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Denver Broncos, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Carolina Panthers, Detroit Lions, and so on. So this team, all six of their wins have been one score. I feel like we've been saying for weeks, or I've been saying, the regression for them is coming, and I think that's what we saw in this game. And I, I, I was not surprised the Jets beat them because I think if you just look at talent level, like the Jets were underperforming, and I think coming into the year, some people were talking the, into them being the second best team in the AFC East and maybe being that wildcard team. And I will say, again, I think the Raiders could make the playoffs, but the idea that they can catch the Chiefs, I mean, I would be shocked if the Chiefs don't win this next, beat them by double digits. Yeah, and here's the thing is this game, this game really, really emphasized what we've complaining about all year with the Raiders. And because they went on a little run, I know we all got hate tweets from Raiders fans after the Raiders won three games in a row. Uh, you know, they beat the Bengals 17 to 10, woohoo, and, a two-pointer over the Chargers. Um, but it, it, with the Raiders, 
their offense. You just don't have Derek Carr throwing downfield at all. I think somebody tweeted at us that Derek Carr is averaging like 8.3 yards per attempt, but it's inflated because all he does is throw screens and short passes. If you go to, if you dig a little deeper on the stats and you look at uh, Derek Carr's completed air yards, uh, well, he's tied with Mitchell Trubisky and Daniel Jones. So that is, he doesn't throw the ball downfield. His receivers are getting the yards after catch. And so what happens if you take that away? That's what the Jets did. Gruden was complimenting Jamal Adams after the game, like, oh, he was blowing us up. He was coming up there and, and stopping the screens and and doing that. And so the Jets took away the short pass. Derek Carr refuses to throw the ball downfield. And so th- at that point, if Josh Jacobs can't run, they literally have no way to move the ball because Derek Carr won't throw it downfield under any circumstance. I don't know if he's afraid of throwing interceptions or he just doesn't want to take the chance, uh, but that's what happens. This was a disaster. And if they play another team who knows how to blow up these short passes, they're going to get blown out. So uh, this this game really – this is what we said all season about the Raiders, that the offense was going to get to a point where it's going to struggle, and this was it. And, and, you know, like you guys said, it feels like the Chiefs are going to blow them out because I don't see – how they're going to be able to score 30 or 40 points or keep up. It feels like it's going to be the first time they played the Chiefs won that game 28 to 10. <laughs> um, Andy Reid off the bye. That, that and, also oh, my God, Andy Reid off the bye laying 10 against the Raiders. Holy crap, we got to hammer the Raiders. It's only 10 points. we got to hammer the Chiefs. Why is it only 10 points? It should be more than that, shouldn't it? The look-ahead line was 8.5. Uh, I way, feel like it should be like 13. Like, it should be Chiefs have to win by two touchdowns to cover this. Because that would seem fair. I like that the Chiefs right now, too. Uh, Titans, Jags. Oh, my God. Debo points out we still have five games to go. Let's get moving. Titans, Jags. Um, and we'll we'll discuss the sixth seed in the AFC uh, there. Titans hammer the Jaguars 42-20. to 20. Rest in peace, Jaguar season. You had a good run. They're 4-7. and seven. They're tied with the Jets and the Chargers. But certainly they feel like the least likely team out of that group to make the playoffs. Nick Foles, not very good. Ryan Tannehill, awesome. 36 fantasy points. Had a rushing touchdown. Like, didn't lead the team in rushing because Derrick Henry went nuts too, um, but also had two passing touchdowns. He, I mean, he he looks really good. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, like, last week Breach and I tried to tell you that, and you were like, Philip Rivers will be a much better choice in Tennessee. <laughs> Remember that? I, I, I mean, look, he was 14 of 18. He didn't have to throw, throw the ball very far. A.J. Brown did a lot of the work. Uh, Derrick Henry ran the ball really well, 19 carries, nine yards, touchdowns. Tannehill had two rushing touchdowns, excuse me. Um, he was good. He was really good. I don't know what to tell you. He's been pretty good this entire season, too. He's he's playing his way into a starting job next year, or at the very least, a he's situation gonna, where if he plays well over the summer, he's going to be starting for someone. He's playing his way into a franchise tag from the Titans. Yeah, maybe. But you know what? If there's one person we should apologize to, because it's definitely not the Raiders, it is Arthur Smith. Now that he is yes. a competent quarterback, because we've railed into him. The FedEx guy. Four weeks into the season, but now that he has a competent quarterback, like the Titans' offense looks unstoppable. They've won four of five, and they're lighting up the scoreboard. They scored thirty-five against the Chiefs, obviously forty-two today, uh, and so it, it has looked like a good offense. You have to start taking the Titans seriously as a playoff contender because they play the Colts, who are six and five. Then they play the Raiders, who are six and five. Then they play the Texans, who are seven. I mean, the Titans could win this division. They're uh, they are. Since Ryan Tannehill took over, they went from averaging 16.3 yard, uh, points per game to 29.4, 290.5 yards per game to 384.4. Completion percentage went from 61% to 72, 71%. Third down conversions, 29.5 to 40. 
Interception, uh, touchdowns, interception, not that different. Uh, and then he's been a much better runner than Marcus Mariota, which I don't think anybody thought was possible. Uh, what a, what a world. And you're right. We're sorry, FedEx, for the, I think Keith called him FedEx on the podcast today. We're sorry for, for that. And, uh, uh with their plus 28 point differential, one point behind the Seahawks, only 14 behind the, the Saints and 10 points above the Colts, 12 above the Packers. So right, I mean, this, so let's assume that the Bills are getting in at eight and three. Who would you guys take of the six and five teams or the five and six Cleveland Browns if you want, or if you feel so inclined, the four and seven Jets, Chargers and Jaguars? Who do you think is going to get the sixth seed? And if you, if you feel like you want to throw the bills out, by all means, and, and give me two names, Ryan, who, uh, who gets that sixth seed? I think I'm going with the Titans for right now. They're playing really, really good football. Sean. I like the Browns. Um, I like I like the schedule, and I think it, it just sets up for them because they do get the Steelers again. And look, I don't know, I don't care if it's Duck or Mason. I think if the Browns play up to their level of potential, they're better than them. Um, and the fact that they get the Bengals and they get the Dolphins and they get the Cardinals, those are all winnable games. And I think uh, I would not. I, I I like the Browns in this one. Breach. I gosh, I don't want to say I like the I like the Browns, like I said earlier, but I would probably put the Titans slightly ahead of them just because they can literally kind of make things fall in their favor over the next two weeks. If they beat the Colts and they beat the Raiders, all of a sudden uh, you're sitting pretty, pretty sitting pretty, pretty. Is that uh, <laughs> you're sitting pretty. And th- those are two big games. I think they can win. I know they're both on the road, but th- the Colts have not looked good the last couple weeks. The Raiders, who knows who's going to show up and some going Titans. I'm changing my mind because the Browns lost to the Titans in week one, and I forgot about that. That's right, Sean. You don't know your tiebreakers. So I'm, you know I'm, about I'm, going differential. To, I'm going to the Titans. You know what? I'm going to say that the Browns and Titans get in as wild cards and that the Bills will not make it. Okay, I'm remembering this when you try to rub it in my face that the Sean McDermott clinches the playoff spot, and you're like, how do you like that now, Sean? I'm just going to remember this, that you, I just, on November 24th, said they weren't going to make the playoffs. Have you seen the, have you seen the, the Bills schedule? Wait. Stretch? Cowboys, Ravens, Steelers, Patriots are their next four games. Well, this stuck. whole hypothetical started with Brinson saying, all right, let's assume the Bills have the fifth seed. <laughs> Who's getting the sixth seed? We weren't given the option of picking a fifth seed, Brinson. Throwing us under the bus. I said, if you so choose, you can throw the Bills out. And then I threw you out of there. I mixed you up. I, all I, right, I, let's go. Come I on. Dunked on you, preach. You got dunked oh, on. God. <laughs> Bills, Broncos, speaking of Sean McDermott. The Bills just smothered the Broncos. I mean, the Bills weren't necessarily great in this game by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but the Broncos were just pathetic. I kept trying to flick over. I had Philip Lindsay in a, in a pretty good DFS lineup. I kept trying to flick over to catch the Broncos, like, on offense. And, like, every time, like, I would see that the Bills were punting. And I'd say, all right, I'll wait till the commercial. And then I'd flick, I'd flick the channel back over to catch the Broncos on offense. And the Bills would already have the ball back every single time. The Broncos, I mean, I, I need to look at, like, their time of possession. But, I mean, I would assume it's not very good here. Um, it's Von, said, 25 minutes. 25 minutes. That's For the Broncos. So. Yeah. Von Miller said, we just got whipped today. Nothing surprised us. We just got Beat the Broncos gained 134 yards of offense, their fewest in the game since 1992. Ties for the lowest number of yards gained by any team this season. The Jets also had the, this match. The Jets in the Ghost Game, the Sam Darnold Ghost Game against the Patriots in Week Three. Um, oh no, sorry, that wasn't the Sam Darnold Ghost Game, but you get the point. Uh, and they had 49 passing yards. 49 passing yards in 2019. 
Brandon Allen with an Aaron Rodgers-esque performance, 3.3 yards per attempt. <laughs> uh, the Bills are 8-3 and three for the first time since 1996 and had their most rushing yards in a game since 2016, 244. Uh, Josh Allen actually snapped a career-long five-game streak without an interception. Frank Gore passed Barry Sanders for third all-time in rushing yards. What would you anybody would anybody like to say anything about this game? Uh, I thought the Bills played their best defensive game. If they really struggled with one thing on defense, it's stopping the run. So the fact that they came out and kind of shut down Philip Lindsay, held the Broncos to under 100 yards, it's just the 85. That was like the one thing that was worrying me. And if you're the Bills, that's exactly what you wanted to do going into this Thanksgiving showdown against the Cowboys. Because now you're like, hey, we can play with this team if we stop Zeke. Uh, maybe we can possibly beat the Cowboys. So I feel like the Bills have to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, and again, I still don't know how the Cowboys are favored by seven points in that game. Because the Bills are kind of frauds. They're not frauds. You're a fraud. <laughs> nice one. Yep. Owned. That's that's something my wife would say. <laughs> good one. Bears good. 19, Giants. Speaking of frauds, here's two fraudulent teams. Bears 19, Giants 14, the Giants cover the plus six. A-holes. I can't believe you pulled that off. Uh, the under 40 and a half hit, obviously. That under was always going to hit. Uh, Daniel Jones brought them through the back door. Mitch Trubisky. Mitchell, uh, 20 points. The top fantasy performer and was not benched, Sean. So that's exciting. He actually had a season high, 278 passing yards, one touchdown, two picks. Uh, third straight game with a passing touchdown and just his first multi-interception game this season, which doesn't seem possible, but he's been so bad that he hasn't actually been able to throw that many picks uh, this year. Allen Robinson, awesome game. Six catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and the uh, second such game like that since he joined the Bears. So that's exciting. Anything you uh, take away from this game, Sean? Just really, I mean, both these teams suck, but uh, that was my takeaway from the game. Um, I actually turned it off. Or I didn't turn. I, I switched the game that I watched on my other TV, the non-red zone TV, away from that game because it was just so infuriating for both sides. Um, you talked about the spread was six points. It, the Bears should have covered. They actually ran a two-point conversion that would have given them 21 points, and there was a really dumb offensive pass interference penalty with Allen Robinson just standing in the end zone. Um, and then the Bears lined up for an extra point, had a penalty on the extra point, and they wound up missing a 48-yard extra point. They kicked is, a 48-yard extra point? <laughs> yes, and they missed it, which pretty much just sums up the Bears season. It sure does. Uh, any Anybody else want to add anything on that game? That's fine if you don't. Ryan, you can just shake. Ryan's asleep again. Good God, this guy. We gotta get this guy. Oh, um, you hate Bucks, to see it. You hate to see it. Bucks thirty-five, Falcons twenty-two. The Bucks covered the three and a half point spread and won outright, as I correctly predicted on the NFL Experts Pick page, where I'm walking down Ryan Wilson and John Breach. I guarantee, guarantee mm-hmm. that by the end of the year, I will be ahead of Ryan. And maybe breach. How many games back of them are you? Six. He never does well in straight ups, though, so he'll he'll flame I'm out. The only person above five hundred against the spread. That's bad. Yeah, I notice that. I don't guess the spread doesn't matter to me. I only care about straight up. That's a better indicator of really good picker. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's all I got to go for. The over of fifty one and a half hit here through a miracle. Uh, it was a touchdown from Matt Schaub. To Calvin Ridley, when Matt Ryan was pulled out of this game, uh, Chris Godwin was dominant. Jameis Winston um, was his usual self. Uh, by the way, Jameis Winston now 
I don't know if you guys saw the stat I tweeted out. I got I ripped it from the Fox broadcast, but fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah. Jameis Winston is on pace to be the first quarterback in NFL history to, th- to average 300 passing yards and two-plus turnovers per game over the course of an entire season. That's incredible. Do you know how hard to do that is? Like, he's going to average th- more than 300 passing yards a game and two turnovers per game. That is so perfectly Jameis Winston. He had uh, 313 pass yards in this game, three touchdowns, two picks. Ronald Jones, 12 carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Godwin, seven catches, 184 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. He was awesome in this game. Uh, Mike Evans did not do a whole lot. Godwin caught all five targets of 10-plus air yards for 182 yards and a touchdown and joins his teammate, Mike Evans, who's done it twice. Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup is the only players to gain 100-plus yards on targets of 10-plus air yards in, ga- in a game this season, according to Next Gen Stats. And the heaviest player in NFL history, 346-pound defensive tackle, Vita Vea, caught a touchdown pass for the Buccaneers, the largest fat guy touchdown of all time. Do you think Donald Penn nods an improvement, Ryan? Yeah, he didn't like the fat guy, though. He liked big guy touchdown. That's right. Um, You've been warned. By the way, I think what we've learned from this game is that Dan Quinn forgot to rearrange the deck chairs on the coaching staff. <laughs> so they got their doors blown off. <laughs> wow. Vea has more receiving TDs than Devontae Adams this season. That's I hear you didn't mention Sammy Parker, so that's a, or Sammy Watkins. So Sammy Parker. Who's Sammy Parker? Um, Former Chiefs wide receiver, too? I feel like it is. Do you guys think Matt Ryan's washed up? He plays on a terrible football team. He has to throw the ball 800 times a game. His arm is probably killing him. I mean, he threw it 46 times in this game for 271 yards. That's bad. He also I, got murdered. I mean, the Bucks were on him. At, the, their off, the Falcons' offense line was horrible. Six sacks, and the Bucks' defense stinks. I think he's past his prime, certainly, and not going to ever be that quarterback he was with Shanahan, but I, I wouldn't call him, like, washed. He didn't look like he had the same sort of – He was bad. He's exhausted. It's week 12. He's been running for his life for three months now. He had a couple weeks off with a bad ankle. Yeah. I mean, the Bucks have given up over 300 passing yards six times this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matt Ryan was t- – he was he all- had a pick six, too. He was sacked six he, times. He, I think he fumbled he hit, for a touchdown, too. He was hit like ten times. Just the second time since 2012 that he's completed 50% or less of his passes. By 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 all accounts, I mean this guy couldn't even start for the Bengals based on what you guys said about Ryan Finley. You he's a modern day Ryan Finley, is what I was just going to say. You would have <laughs> Ryan Finley. You're like, get this guy out of here. He can't complete 50 percent of his passes. Matt Ryan's out there doing it. Where's your complaints now? Finley's- Matt Ryan also just beat the Saints and the Panthers. Ryan Finley's been trashed by every team he's played. Brinson, congratulations! You're three and eight, and they're supposed to be a playoff contender. The Bengals we knew were trash. Everyone except you knew they would be trash coming to the season. You thought they were going to win 10 10 went ceiling, guys. I never thought that. My prediction was 6 and 10, just hey, for the Breach, record. Before you snap back at Brinson, just know, next Sunday, when Philip Rivers throws eight interceptions, <laughs> come down on Brinson, he's going to start crying, you're going to feel terrible. So just think about that and let him have his moment. Um, yeah, Dan Quinn's getting fired for sure now. Yeah, I was just saying his name's going in the hat, and he'll end up somewhere else, and that team will be terrible, and then five years, three or four years, we'll have the same conversation. Wow. Start. What? Am I wrong? Is it Dan Quinn's fault, or is it Dimitrov's fault? Because you look at what the Falcons 
they've gotten progressively worse under Quinn, but like they weren't bad. Obviously they went to the Super Bowl in 2016. Then they went to the playoffs in 2017. So, and then they've just been getting fallen flat on their face over the past two years. So I don't know what is going on with old Daniel Quinn. Well, we said in Nashville, it's like, why are the, why are the Falcons drafting two offensive linemen when there's like a ton of good defensive players in this draft and they're giving up picks to trade up? That may, maybe makes a mistake. Um, I feel like the Buccaneers are going to play their way back into signing Jameis. I thought you were going to say a playoff push. Thank God you went there because I was like, I can't take another one of Wilburn said this terrible team is going to make a push. No, there's no push in the NFC. Oh, the, the, I know. I was like, goodness, if he says this, I'm going to. I said the Titans, the Jets, and the Browns, and those teams are all making playoff. All right, let's take a sidetrack. We're down the home stretch here. Let's let's stay on point. Well, I was I just brought up the Buccaneers because I was going to. Well, Jameis has what twenty picks now. Bruce Arians had an uh, incredible quote when asked, uh, he's like, are you optimistic about the season? Is your glass half full? My glass is full as hell, and it's going to get real full in a minute. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> he doesn't seem, like, bothered. Like, Jason Garrett is obviously distracted, and, and it weighs on him that he's a terrible coach. Bruce Arians isn't a terrible coach, but it doesn't weigh on him. It doesn't feel like that uh, Jameis Winston is guaranteed three interceptions a game. He's like, eh, I'm getting drunk. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my glass is full as hell, and it's gonna get ripped for in a minute. <laughs> I, love that. I mean, that sounds like 3 a.m. last call <laughs> at 6 p.m. at a press conference on a Sunday. At Jester's, uh, yeah, it's, that's Wilson getting us to go to Jester's. <laughs> my I mean, glass is full as hell. God, how do this? How do the Buccaneers? Like they lost Week One to the to the 49ers. The week three loss to Daniel Jones. With two pick sixes in a 14-point game. Yeah, is brutal. Um, they lost to the Titans in a game where they should have won, but the, uh, it was, it was. The block was, field goal. They went but, two, yeah, yeah, the block field goal. They went to Seattle, the block fake field goal. They went to Seattle and won. Then they lost, they got stomped by the Saints. I mean, I don't think this is that bad a team. They're just so up and down. You can just, like there's no cohesive. If Brian Tannehill was their it's, quarterback, they'd be a lot better. It's it's literally the Jameis Winston experience just extends to the team because he's either throwing a six yard bomb to Chris Godwin in double coverage, or that double coverage pass gets picked off and returned for a touchdown. And I think it's all starts with Jameis. And they Let me ask need... you this: What would the Steelers' record be with Jameis Winston? <sighs> six and five. <laughs> <laughs> they they might not necessarily four. be better. You think they'd be eight and four? Probably. I don't know because those turnovers might just hurt the. At least like Mason's not throwing the ball. I mean, he is turning the ball over. Who the hell knows? Maybe better with Jameis Winston than Mason Rudolph. They would have to be right. Yes. Yes. You want to trade for? I would trade Mason for Jameis straight up for sure. <laughs> right now, yeah. And you make a playoff push every day of the, the week. Are, the Buccaneers are laughing at you and hanging up the phone and giggling about the the prank caller who called to offer Mason Rudolph. For Jameis Winston, if you do that. My glass is full as hell. It's going to get real full in a minute. <laughs> I love it so much. That, that needs to be our, our podcast slogan. Yeah, that's actually great. <laughs> All right, one more game. Let's do it. Let's add that. Let's get new intro music and add some good quotes at the intro and like and do it as the uh, – that could be like as part of it. Last game, the worst game on the schedule that somehow didn't involve the Bengals. The Redskins won a football game. They beat the Lions 19-16. to Um Jeff Driscoll had 14 fantasy points. The Redskins obviously covered the under hit. Uh, 
<laughs> Dwayne Haskins, Chelsea. I'm sure. Yeah, this, part of the game. this was the best part of the game. Dwayne Haskins missed the final play of the game, Breach, because he was taking a selfie with a fan. <laughs> I'll be honest. That's what I would be doing. If I'm about to win my first game, I am going to go take selfies with everyone, post them on the Internet, sign autographs. Case Keenum, anybody can go in there. They you can know how water Case Keenum was? He wanted to get the- his... Get his cup filled up with Arians. He had to go back out there and pull his pants up. He was in the locker room getting ready to get dressed. They could have the running back go in there and take a snap to kneel it. Uh, but, yeah, so if anybody didn't see the end of the game, the Redskins had to take one more snap. And somebody had to be under center to kneel the ball. And Dwayne Haskins was nowhere to be found at all because he was running around the stadium taking selfies with people. <laughs> Sounds like something Sean would do, but I think I would do it too. Brenton would probably do it. I don't think Wilson would. He would be in there taking that final snap. And then walking off the field because he's been there before. Okay, Wilson be in the locker room already. Get ready to go home, drink some tea, and go to bed. Let's yeah. see. I think I got audio of this. Hold on, let's see. More critical than Quentin Dunbar's before the last field goal attempt. And Dwayne Haskins all smiles, taking selfies with a fan. <laughs> Haskins celebrates. More critical. I don't know if you can hear it in like I think that's Rondé Barber's voice. But he's like he's like stuttering because he's he's trying to figure out why Haskins is like posing with his fan in the front row taking selfies. If I was Case Keenum, like you know you know who that is in that situation, that's me. I'm over there like taking a selfie. Yep. Wilson is out there like I cannot believe <laughs> taking a knee for Brinson because he's out there being <laughs> posing like a daggum diva. Um, yep, hundred percent. Big deal or no deal? Yeah, I don't care. It's his first care. win. I'm more concerned about the two overthrows he had during the game. He missed, like, uh, I think, Scary Terry for a touchdown. He overthrew him again later in the game. Made yeah. a great throw in that last drive to set the, uh, the game-winning field goal. But he, he didn't play great, and I think that's a bigger concern. Here, uh, By the way, here's Dwayne Haskins uh, explaining what happened. I was so hyped. I think I broke a water bottle. Um, <laughs> I look up, and we're in victory. I said, oh, I thought the game was over with already. But uh, I get it next time. <laughs> we were looking for him, too. Yeah. Um, I think he thought the game was over. I think he thought it was over. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to find out. I'll have to find out a little bit more. I know that we called for the, the U victory formation and, and Case uh, came out on the field. I was so hyped. I think. <laughs> now, in, in Dwayne Haskins' defense, how in the world would you think that Jeff Driscoll is so bad that he would throw two interceptions in 46 seconds in the final minute. Cause the Lions had the ball running out the clock, second down. You, you're probably thinking, Hey, the Lions are going to route the clock. It's over. Driscoll just threw an interception with 45 seconds left in the game. There's no way he'd be dumb enough to throw another one. Uh, cause it's only a three point game. The Lions could very realistically drive down and kick a field goal. Cause Matt Prater has one of the strongest legs in the NFL. He holds the NFL record for longest field goal, 64 yards. But no, then Driscoll throws another interceptions. He literally threw two interceptions in 46 seconds in a three point game. Hey, by the way, Matt Patricia, terrible. Yeah. Can, can we, can we take this a quick second and we'll talk about the draft order for Washington and then we'll get out of here. But can, can we maybe get the victory formation? Is it necessary? Yeah, what are you talking about? There's time on the clock. What else do you want them to do? Or you can just be like, hey, <laughs> you don't have to run up, you don't have to run a, you don't have to take a knee. Just be like, hey, we're, we're taking a knee. Like everybody didn't have to go out there and take a knee. I mean, I, I don't know. It seems unnecessary. Like the yeah. only thing that ever comes from a victory formation is that time when Greg Schiano sent people over the top of Tom Coffin and Tom Coffin like nearly lost his mind and choked him out in that Buccaneers 
uh, uh, Giants game. Yeah, it'd be like the intentional walk situation in, in baseball. You don't have to, you don't have to throw the four pitches. Just be like, hey, we're taking three knees. One, like, hey, knee, run the clock. I guess well, I, I think I know why Brenton's suggesting this because once upon a time in a tie game, as the Chargers were setting up for a field goal to win the game, Philip Rivers fumbled the snap and lost the ball. Of course, I knew it. I knew it had a connection to the world's status quarterback. That's different. You're trying to set up a, a, a field goal. I know, but it was a fumbled snap. That's why you do it though, because you never know if they fumble the snap. And, and, and I will point out too, if you were actually smart, Sean, you would know I was. You're actually smart. Sean, you're a dummy. <laughs> no, in the, uh, in the Cowboys Patriots game, they were trying to run out the clock and then Brady ended up with like four seconds left on the clock and he threw this. Remember Watson, Deshaun Watson last week chunked it deep. Brady tried to throw it up in the air and like the Patriots clock operator didn't run the clock out and Brady was about to lose his mind. Like, how does that not even happen? And so the Cowboys got one more play and I love that you say Sean's not smart, but you're right here arguing with yourself about the kneel down rule. And, and you know what the worst thing about the kneel down is? Is that if they have to do like three of them and the quarterback ends up losing four yards and then you end up losing your fantasy game. I did have that happen once. There's <laughs> been, there's screw been, the kneel down. I think it's been Brady before he like, didn't want, when he was like going over a thousand yards crew rushing, like he intentionally made sure he like snapped, snapped it, took two steps forward and kneeled at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Ryan, uh, talk to us about the draft order for the Redskins. Do they screw this up? So the Redskins up? win. Huge win for Dwayne Haskins. The Giants lose because the Giants are terrible. And I tweeted out after the game with the Giants lost and the Redskins win. The Giants currently have the number two pick in the 2020 draft. And the Redskins fall from number two to number four. And I got a bunch of tweets from Redskins fans say, saying basically, even when we win, we lose because the number two pick is going to go for Chase Young, the Ohio State defensive end who has been absolutely dominant this year, better than the Bosa's. Better than Jadavian Clowney, better than any edge rusher we've seen in a long time. So the Giants are going to fall ass backwards into him currently as it stands. Maybe they'll win a game. And now the Redskins lose Chase Young, fall to number four, and they can probably get a, an offensive lineman. But, I mean, would you rather have an offensive lineman or the best pass rusher in the draft, John? I would rather have the best pass rusher in the draft. And I just wanted to chime in for a second because I think the Bengals should take Chase Young if they have the number one overall pick. Ooh, that's a bold. Sorry, stinks. What? You just said Ryan Finley stinks and you wanted to draft Chase Young. Yeah, what, what's your plan? Well, the plan is that any quarterback they draft is going to get destroyed. I mean, the Bengals <laughs> don't have a great – so you start building the backside, take a quarterback in the second round, or trade back up into the first round. But I, I don't think a quarterback is there – is going to solve anything. You, you're not just going to bring a quarterback in and he's going to turn things around. So I here, think you, you go defense first. Here's what you're going to do as a Bengals fan. You're going to draft <laughs> Justin Herbert number one overall. <laughs> then you're going to last time they steal my Justin Herbert Florida tweets Rock. on Saturday too. I saw that. Justin Herbert stinks. The Bengals already went the Oregon route. They took Achilles Smith, and that one blew up in their face. Yeah, that was to you route of face too. Um, all right, that's it for the podcast. Let's get out of here. Great show, guys. Awesome recap of Week Twelve. We'll be back. Uh, of course, we'll have Monday's show with Jason Lockenpora and Jared Dubin previewing an awesome Rams-Ravens game. And then we'll be back recapping that and probably maybe we'll answer some more five-star questions or, or do some other awesome topic that the great Debo, our producer, comes up with. Uh, in the meantime, subscribe, rate, and review. Check out our Facebook group. Uh, and we will talk to you guys in a little bit. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.